Hello and welcome back to We Heart Heartnet, the podcast dedicated to exploring the filmography of the one, the only, Mr. Josh Hartnett, movie by movie. I'm Patrick Willems. And I am Jacob Torpy. And I'm Matthew Torpy. And today, I don't know if you can hear a difference, but uh, I should just say it right here. Tell them what the, you did. the brothers Torpy <laughs> are sharing a mic yeah. because of a convoluted, not very interesting story, which led to us having to improvise a little bit and not have the recording setup that we were planning on having. But uh, so yeah, they, they, there's two Torps, one mic. Two Torps, one mic, and our mouths are awkwardly close together, and, and the breath is smellable on both sides. And and now that we're talking about this, I'm going to take a picture of it so and i'll put it on the the instagram account and oh wait a thing that i realized is because it's just so it's summer in new york and it's just so moist all the time my the, the camera on my phone is always fogged up just be <laughs> like be in my pocket because i'm just constantly sweaty i know it's hell for for uh, all these touchscreen users who uh there's yeah. a natural layer of oil over everything that makes your touch screens less responsive it's really great but anyway we are recording this episode the night it is also going to go online. I will be editing this immediately afterwards. And so so really, when this is out, I, first thing in the morning, like now, right now, if you go to our Twitter account, HeartHeartNet, at HeartHeartNet on Twitter, you can see a photo of Matt and Jake, faces pretty close together, sharing a mic. That's what's up. Yeah. That's just what we do. Well, I don't here. know what we you're going to do with that, offer though. you... Cool behind the curtain. <laughs> this Put, is content. This is content. It's it's just it's all content. So guys, speaking of content, I know mm. this is a Josh Hartnett podcast, but Jake's wife. I want to make that very clear. Yes. Now wife. Yeah, um, don't well, for now <laughs> wife. Uh, well, well, I'm just gonna look. You know, this episode is, is goes up tomorrow. Who knows what'll be happening tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. You know what they say about Tuesdays. Exactly. Thirsty Tuesdays. But oh, yeah. she bought us this box of Kinder Eggs. Yeah. Is that how you say it? It's kinder. It's Kinder, kin- it's kinder Eggs. Like kinder kinder eggs. Kinder, Like Kindergarten. Like babies that eat it. Like Kindergarten. Kindergarten. Yeah. Okay. It's German. Yeah. Uh, kinder Babies. Kinder but, Eggs. But they're these eggs. It, it was a box of three, and apparently it said <laughs> one in three eggs will contain a Powerpuff Girl. <laughs> so, okay. Here. Further Help clarification. <laughs> I'm in an egg. Further clarification. We got the Powerpuff branded Kinder Egg. And so it had Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup on the cover <laughs> of uh, the box. And we, I got excited because we saw it. We were like, oh, great. You open them up, and uh, each one will have one of the three Powerpuff Girls. You'd think. Really fun. You'd think. And then we looked down in the small print, the bottom left-hand corner of the Kinder Egg box. Post-purchase. Post-purchase. PP, and we see that it says one in three eggs will contain a Powerpuff Girl, and so ooh, yeah. and boy, tricked. boy, did my coconuts get in a tizzy because <laughs> <laughs> the milk was boiling. In them. <laughs> yeah, and um, <laughs> caveat emptor is all we can say. Oh, all yeah. you, all you folks out there. So what happened in was Radio Land. Yeah, Jake opened his egg. I opened my egg. No Powerpuff Girl. No Powerpuff Girl. Instead, some kind of, like, spider without a torso. Like a frog spider. Yeah. It was just legs. It looked like Daddy Long Legs. Oops, just legs. (laughs) Oops, just legs. And it was like a dreidel, but if the dreidel was just legs. And it was really terrifying. If spiders took over Judaism and just made everything spider-themed. Yeah. That's basically what I got as a toy I won't even make a joke there. Uh... (laughs) 
And then Matt opened up. His I opened up mine, and it was a freaking butterfly ring, which was kind yeah, of actually, actually pretty cute. And I did put it on my pinky, and it does accessorize well. Exactly, That's true. it's a good look for Matt. We're all digging it. But now they say Powerpuff Girl is in one in three eggs. So Pat's got his th- the third egg. This is the third by of three math, eggs. By the box's own reckoning, Pat has a hundred percent chance of getting a Powerpuff Girl. <laughs> And now on mic, literally in front of the mic so you can hear the sounds, I'm going to open the egg. And this will also uh, like, um, decide which one he is. No, we, we'll cover that later. We've decided no, that. No. Also, the, cho- <laughs> the chocolate is melty because it is summer. I defy you, Pat. It's you are egg. whatever's in this egg. Yeah. Yeah, that's... You are what you egg. Yeah. And you don't get upset. That's right. Let me just listen to it. Do, do more ASMR. Get it closer to the... You get that foil crack yeah, on. That, get as, that. The one with the head, as the one with the headphones, I can hear this. Okay. Oh, great. Are you guys getting little tingles in the back of your neck or whatever? Yeah. I mean, like, the I feel foil, like... The foil is off, boys. I, do I just bite into it? No, no, no. No, no. There's, a, there's, like, a full plastic <laughs> yeah, egg inside yeah. the You'll break your teeth. Rip, rip the chocolate. It, it splits at the seam. It's, it's so soft. You can, know, you can bite the top, but just bite gently so no, you don't... No, just act. pull it apart. No, just bite it gently. Shut uh, Jake. Yeah, oh. see? I told you. Okay, there's a plastic You don't know how to say it or consume it. Ooh, okay. Pat the, cracked that egg very soon. And it looks like those pill capsules in Dragon Ball Z. Uh, how, how, <laughs> boys, how do I open this? Um, you, you, just, you just rip it open. Yeah, put the... <laughs> the chocolate looks so unappetizing. <laughs> <laughs> it straight up looks like a real snake egg, that, like when it gets all like bendy. Yeah, and, and, just, and just pull that bad boy open. Yeah. <gasps> Who is what? it? What? What? It's Professor Utonium. It's not a Powerpuff Girl. <laughs> it's the professor. The creator yeah. of the Powerpuff Girls. And guess who got the controlling dork? Oh, it's Pat. <laughs> and he's surprised for some reason. And Matt got a Capitular? I, and I got a spider dreidel. No, I got an after. I didn't Chrysalis even know you could get... Powerpuff Girls characters who weren't Powerpuff Girls. They had the, the supporting cast in here. Wait, wait, you there's a whole... Get, you can get Mojo Jojo. There's a whole... Mojo Jojo. You can get... Um, uh, Fuzzy Lumpkin. No, Fuzzy no. Lumpkin. no. There's, there's, there's a... There's <laughs> the a green gang. Okay, wait, no. What's what's the, the spoiled girl who wants to be a Powerpuff Girl? The one with oh. the curly red hair, because she's one of them, too. I forget. Yeah. And then so. there's... Wait, who's... There's, like, a fourth Powerpuff Girl? No. Who is... Who's... <laughs> Guys, look at this. This is a Josh Hartnett podcast. I'm sure Josh could weigh in. We're talking about Josh Hartnett on this podcast. No, that's just um, Blossom. It looks like Blossom, but she, she's in different clothes. <laughs> also, the significance of the Powerpuff Girls, the reason, this was, <laughs> the reason this was purchased in the first place is that early on in the podcast, uh, Jake's then fiance, now wife, now wife, for now, for now, <laughs> until Step Tuesday, off. pointed out that the three of us, Big P and the Brothers T, as many affectionately know us, yeah, correspond to the Powerpuff Girls, and we figured out extremely quickly which of us is which. And listeners, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. You probably have. You probably have have guessed that we are Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. And uh, and and. Can you any guesses yeah. for for which of us corresponds to which one? Yeah, we'd like to hear what you guys think. Which boy is which girl? I think it, I think it's obvious. Yeah, I think we kind of just lend ourselves to the Powerpuff Girls. Exactly. There's um, an aura we have. Yeah, and if you read it correctly, you'll get the right answer. Yeah, we all got a little bit of 
Chemical X oozing out of us. Yeah. Got that extra. Also, I should eat my egg. This just yeah, soft egg, which now chocolate. Looks just like it's got an inner coating of white chocolate as well. It looks like mm. he's just eating the leather from a deflated football. Yeah, it really it's does. Really but, it's, but, it, but it's tasty. Yeah. Anyway, uh, speculation time is over. We'll confirm it. Matt, who are you? Oh, oh we're doing it now. Uh, well, I'm. Come on. You can say it. It's okay. Uh, Do you want me to start? Nervous. All right, Pat. I'm Buttercup, eh? Yeah. 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 Matt's Buttercup. I'm Bubbles. I'm Blossom. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you guys think? Huh? Did you? I mean, get it right. It, it, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. I'm the one who <laughs> wrangles you, you guys. Jake is is the sweet, adorable one, and Matt Matt's is the, the is the dark one. one. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. I'm dark, dude. <laughs> so anyway, this is a podcast about Josh Hartnett. I'm goth. <laughs> Okay. Um, I, I listen to I, yeah. I listen to Alice Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> and I have so, so many chains on my Jenkos. It's true. We did actually for a video we shot last year buy Matt a pair of Jenkos. Matt, gonna, why, why don't you wear those Jenkos more? Because you bought them like secondhand. No, that's not why. They're really well worn. Why, <laughs> Matt? You those are good quality jeans that have like a lot of years left in them. I'm not. I'm not that guy anymore. Okay. Because I'm not regular goth, I'm cyber goth now. Which is the cool <laughs> new goth of the future. <laughs> I, I have LED, like, neon tubes for hair. <laughs> and one of the pants, and like, I have pants glow stick again. fingers, and the pants are tight. And I don't have a mouth, I just have a pacifier. I don't have a mouth, I have one of those, like, mic grills. <laughs> so... As and you, I have sexy nodules along my spine like the Matrix. As you can no you doubt can tell, <laughs> this is a podcast about Josh Hartnett, where we're talking about the actor who, in a way, defines the past 20 years of American cinema. Yeah. Mm. And, mm. and, you know, some actors, you know, like your Mark, Mark Wahlbergs, they're fighters. But mm. Josh Hartnett, he's a lover. He is a lover. That's right. He's not a fighter. And that's, this movie is The Lovers. Exactly. Yes. A we're movie... That is less good than The Fighters, starring Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Oh, man, The Fighters, great. Yeah, the Fighter is the, the last David O. Russell movie that I like. Yeah. Hmm. The Lovers is a is big the... whiff. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's like if you're hungry and a big gust of wind went in your mouth, and you're like, <laughs> does this count as a meal? And it doesn't. So, exactly. But there's a, a lot of it. Accurate. There is a lot of it. Yeah. And well, hey, it's under two hours. Thank God. But the, so the thing that I'm wondering right now is we're in this weird period of Josh Hartnett's career, but also weird period of our podcast, as in we're in the period where all the movies we're talking about are ones that nobody has seen. Yeah. Right. If they've seen it, if they've seen these movies, it means they are either a professional film critic or they happen to stumble across one of these movies. And it's, right. it's tough, too, because, like, you know. There's way more engagement, obviously, for stuff that people have at least some recollection of or have stumbled across at some point in their life. Not only were these, the last, like, five movies, like, not circulated well at all and didn't do cr well critically, but, like, some of them have also just been nigh impossible to even obtain at all. Yeah. So it's really hard to, like, have people even 
like even follow if they really wanted to follow along. that's why we, we made a, a point of plugging like in last week's episode <laughs> and on the twitter account like guys the new movie or the next movie we're, we're talking about it's on netflix yeah. you can actually watch this one you don't have to buy a german blu-ray to watch it <laughs> buy a german blu-ray and then disable the german language like it doesn't even start it's it's an english language movie but it didn't even start that right way. exactly crazy. so it, and nothing about it is german th- this is the weird thing that well because <laughs> yeah. like i listen to movie podcasts but in general um i'm familiar with a, a decent chunk of the movies that they'll discuss and i'll listen and for instance i like i will sometimes delay listening to episodes uh about a movie that i haven't seen to be like because i'll be like i'm gonna see that i will catch up on, on that movie i'll right. listen to it later and uh and i, I wonder now that we're talking about movies that no, none of our listeners have seen. Mm-hmm. Right. And probably a lot of them, if they were following along, they might have also realized, oh, wait, I'm watching a lot of not good movies. Maybe I should stop. And so I'm just curious how our listeners are feeling now we're in this weird zone of like this like unexplored area where no one knows anything and no yeah. one knows what's coming and there's nothing to even like look forward to or dread or what because... They're just a bunch of movies no one's seen. Well, I will say that, like, at the very least, Hope Springs Eternal in this basic realm of of his filmography because, you know, I'm in the same boat as anyone else. So, like, every time I'm about to see a new movie, even though (laughs) I've had my heart broken (laughs) again and again, again, um, there's always that slight twinge of, like, maybe this could fucking blow my mind and, like, I've, I've never seen it. You know, I mean, I come with the rain was was close. I would say Bunraku, not blowing my mind, but you know, Bunraku what I mean? was a, a pleasant surprise. Bunraku was close. We've had a couple surprises. Bunraku is an oddity. Yeah, exactly. These things that like, it's kind of they're they're fun in their own way, and and they're also yeah pleasant film oddities to be able to reference and bring up. Right. That but, you don't just begrudge having spent time with. <laughs> but a thing that that I am thinking about, just like going into these episodes to record them is we're playing now to an audience that is not like that is like 99.5% unfamiliar with whatever we're talking about. This is not like let's recap a movie that a bunch of you guys have probably seen and know. This is really just like okay, let's explain these movies to an aud- to people who ha- don't even know what they are. Yeah. And and so it's like so I do wonder how much do people want us to go with I'm mean, not that we're, you know, the in, totally at the mercy of, of our listeners and doing exactly what they want, but also like... <laughs> Except for that one listener that we won't talk about. Yeah. Right. And he is pulling all the strings in this yeah. podcast. Exactly. You'd never guess who, who it is, though. But it, it's, a, it's a surprise. Just check at the Puppet Master. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of how we're talking about the movies, like, is it better to talk about them as, like, a general thing? Is it better to go through the stories beat by beat? It's just, it's just interesting talking about these movies that, again, like, no one listening to this has seen before and it also does make me think whenever for whenever we relaunch this podcast talking about someone who's not josh and of course it's hard to even imagine discussing that i know it feels so wrong it's a new paradigm he's our boy a minute sabbatical to adjust we'll probably cover someone whose career does not have quite as stark a division between films people have seen and films nobody has seen Right, right. Yeah, I just wish it wasn't so, like, f- the bifurcation between 
the popular era to completely obscure era wasn't so clear. I, right. I, I like spotty careers because it usually bespeaks somebody who is willing to just put themselves in a billion different kinds of situations. But this is like, a you know, an era ends and one, be, it's like two acts. Also, it would be, it, it would be great yeah. if uh, we could have like some some popular things coming up that, that people are like excited about, but really every, it, now it's just like, you know, I mean, in the early days people would be like, Oh, I can't wait for you to get to sin city. You're lucky number 11 or one right. of those things. And now it's just like, I don't know. I'll just like, who knows what's coming next week. That people one, have just been sitting. Yeah. The lover, when's the lovers happening? <laughs> well, no, th- we, we have, we have one of these left. We have one yeah. thing that people are, 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 that people know, and I've asked about and are looking forward to, and that's Penny Dreadful. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to do Penny Dreadful. The only, have we said that on the podcast? Because yeah. we get so many questions about that on Twitter. We are, just, yeah. I, I feel like every other tweet that I, I post on the account is just like, an, uh, like uh, a quote retweet saying, yes, we are going to cover to Penny Dreadful. Penny Dreadful. Motherfucker, you think we're this deep in? We're not going to just watch every last thing? Also, the, the single, like, but the most mainstream, most seen thing he's done in a decade? Yeah. Of course we are. Yeah. Well, I say we don't derail from our normal, just, like, reaction slash analysis Well, here's the thing. I feel like... And just yeah. do this one as, like, we did all of them and just sort of, like... Yeah. Give I think, our thoughts. I think if we're in this area where people we're, we're watching these movies where most people haven't seen them now, I mean, it would help to sort of recap a little bit of the plot. So this way, people that aren't intending to watch the particular movies we're talking about can at least understand what the gist of the story Which, was. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we'll explain what the movie is. I think I was just thinking about this because this movie has an especially convoluted, needlessly confusing story where a lot of things just, like, don't seem to make sense. And, yep. and, and Hey, and, would this be an instance where there uh, were legitimate plot holes? Oh, we're bringing that into the conversation. Yes. I feel like it, yeah. <laughs> you know what? We'll, we'll get to it, because okay. uh, there, there are just... Well, you know what? Actually, no. I am going <laughs> to say no, because I know what you're talking about, the fact that there seems like there are plot elements that don't make sense are uh, just right just like are, are like things that seem illogical yeah. but i think all of those things just we notice them because we're just so unengaged with <laughs> the actual story with the, with the characters and and what the movie is trying to say right. that we just happen to notice like wait so how the fuck do the rings work <laughs> yeah oh so there's magical rings let's well, get this at the that is the at big the problem with magic right is like it is at once some. It is a useful way to do some miraculous things, but it's also yeah. a very useful way to do things uh, for convenience's sake. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, for those who who aren't aware, Matt is referencing a uh, semi-controversial video released a week ago called "Shut Up About Plot Holes," where I yell about how plot holes don't matter, and I punch Matt in the face with Hulk hands, <laughs> and uh, it has caused a stir. Yeah. Some people are angry at me, but I am. I, I have zero I'm regrets. I'm a golden god. Baby. I take nothing back. <laughs> take your best shot. I'm a god. Uh, exactly. Will box you in his whole cans, and we're setting that up now. 
Um, any Along, major it's, critics? It's the, Pat's going to be the headlining fight for whoever feels like fighting him. I yeah. will open with my fight against Logan Paul. Yes. yes. Um, and and I will not fight until Matt fights Logan Paul. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the deciding. So that's thing. the get. It's a it's a package deal, and it will be on pay per view. Yeah. YouTube Red pay per view. Pay per view. Sixty dollar <laughs> pay per views. Okay. Right. So Jake will be. It's in cash. You have to show up at the venue, and Jake will take it in a big bag. I'll take it in a big bag. I will also be serving as the Bruce Buffer of the evening. Yeah, exactly. So. And also, we don't have a whole lot of cash to burn. So Jake Paul, well, he's got to come to New York mm-hmm. for this. Jake fight. fights Jake Paul. <laughs> Clash wait, of the Jake. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. There, look. There's two Paul brothers. There's two Torby brothers. Mm-hmm. Can you guys do a tag team fight? Oh hell yeah! Jake, Jake and Logan versus gonna, Jake and Matt. We're gonna get worked over <laughs> no, no we're jake gonna get jake versus matt and logan whoa oh yeah yeah oh you mean we're a tag team or you're on jake's no team? No, no 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 torpy's together torpy's Paul, together, Paul's together. Paul's together look look we each tackle one dude we'll get huge and we'll destroy yeah. the Pauls. No, no no guys it, it's gonna be very simple here's what will happen one of them will start rapping or like turn to the crowd or like start plugging one of their sponsors. No, they'll start plugging like their clothing line. Mm-hmm. And that's when you sucker punch him. And by yeah, sucker yeah. punch him, I mean kick him in the nuts real hard. Right. Yeah. I call my whole foot feet. punching. That's what I yeah. call kicking in a boxing <laughs> match. That's how I've gotten around it. <laughs> Matt does a lot of boxing on the side. Yeah. A lot of yeah. foot punching. A lot of people don't know that. Anyway, that's going to happen. But now back eyes. to <laughs> Balls. The Lovers. Yeah, dude. And uh, The Lovers is a 2013 uh, English language romance time travel adventure film <sighs> directed and to written by Roland Joffe. 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 He's, he's French slash British, but he's mostly made British movies. Uh I've always just in my head said Roland Joffe. Yeah. But there's an accent I goo on the E in his last name. I should Roland have looked this up. Joff. Yeah, like, and, and J's tend to be a little. Um, Joffe? Jo- 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 let's call him Joffe. Anyway. Yeah, Roland Joffe. So, yes, this is a time travel adventure romance. Yeah. Starring Josh and Josh's now wife. This jo- is. Josh, much like Jake. Got married. You guys have so much in common. Wow. Yeah. J names. <laughs> the letter J. Wives. Marriage. <laughs> the concept of marriage. Um, so, b- yeah. by the way, uh, we've said this before. We're going to say it again because we say it every time. Josh Hartnett, if you're listening, please come on the podcast. We would love to talk to you. I'm sure you and Jake could, you know, discuss a lot when it goes to marriage. You know, your experience at it. Jake's new at it. And yeah, it's, Jake's, honestly, J- Jake's isn't going very well. Maybe you could give him some pointers. It's on the rocks. It might end tomorrow. And Josh is just like, you have to be much taller and more handsome. <laughs> and you're like, damn it. Honestly, I feel like you guys would, like, kind of be friends. And, like, it wouldn't even be weird. Like, you guys have a lot in common. Yeah, J man. names. We got the J's. We can talk about the letter J. Um, honestly, Sesame Street it up. Talk about the letter J. Have a whole... Yeah, cool Josh, thing. you know what? Me and you, you know what? Fuck these other two guys. Coffee date. I want to talk Let's to just, Josh. Well, you, look, we'll, I'll prep you for the podcast. This meet was with my me. idea. No. Meet with me. <laughs> Not anymore, baby. No, meet with me first. Let's get a cup of coffee. Better yet, me and you, let's hit up a bar in New York City. You're a New York, you, you're a New York native, you know. Not native, but like you lived in New York for a while. Yeah. You know the area. We'll go to the Three Sheets Saloon. You pick a bar. Me and you sit down. We'll snake back couple brewskis 
We'll share. We'll swap some. We'll we'll swap some stories about the old balls and chains. Oh you man, know? war stories. About the, huh? It was a war. <laughs> just swap some war stories with one another about uh tales of you know, conquest. Yeah, forgetting the the whatever the the date of your anniversary and uh, having to make up for that by getting a, a bigger gift than you initially yeah, thought. Taking out a loan to get to friggin' Marshalls. Forgetting to put the toilet seat down. Am I right? And then especially when you're pissing all over it. <laughs> Play a game called How Much Piss Can I Get on the Toilet Seat? Just talk about, just look, hey, I'll help you with cooking in a second, but the game's not done. And I need to finish the game, right, Josh? Because you're also a huge sports fan as well. You get it? We can talk about that. Minnesota sports, We're men, especially, is right? the joke here. Yeah. Who's actually, I don't know. Vikings. Let's talk about how it's weird that the Mississippi River is also in Minnesota. Yeah. To me, for yeah. some reason. Facts. <laughs> just facts. Also, and but, you know, and just disregard what we're about to say about the lovers. <laughs> um, it's not a reflection of our personal feelings towards you. Yeah. But uh, this movie kind of drags. Well, no. Can I say, though, just yes. to start on a positive note, I was excited about this movie. So only was I. You get to see more of Josh. He hasn't been at the forefront of the a lot of the movies we've been watching recently. Stuck Between Stations, Girl Walks Into a Bar. He's just yeah, sort of popped in and popped cameos. out. And they're glorified cameos. Yeah, you're right, Pat. But you look at this movie poster, and... Whose name is above the title? Josh Hartnett. It's like going to be like Whose Australia. body dominates two-thirds of the poster? Josh Hartnett. Whose yeah. body also seems to traverse time periods? And Josh Hartnett. space periods? Whoa. Yeah, well, also, I just want to say, Josh, again, come on the podcast. We would love to talk to you. Like, sincerely, please. We have so many questions. Yeah. yeah. Not as many about this movie. About other movies, but mm. everything in general. I got questions about this movie. Oh, and yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, like you get to jo- ask Josh Hartnett like five questions. Is one of them going to be about the lovers? I doubt it. No, no. Here's how not. I would describe. Will, this will movie. four be about town and country? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my God! Yes. Here's here's how I would describe this movie in way in a way that'll sound good, but is a wreck. It's like, gosh, what is it like? Oh, Josh, what is it like? It's like um, Cloud Atlas. No. It seems like it will be like Cloud no, Atlas, here, I know, but it's I'm, not really like I'm Cloud not, Atlas. I'm not saying that it would seem like it is. I'm just saying these are the things that, like, the better films that were conjured in my head as I was listening. It's like if Cloud Atlas and, like, The Fountain <laughs> and, uh, gosh, what else? Titanic and, uh, I don't know, another stupid movie about love kind of all mixed together into an, an episode of doctor who and in, into cup cup into an unpalatable mixture of well here let me let me read to you uh so on wikipedia they only have one paragraph to explain the story so it so normally i, I read the first paragraph they've only got one so i'll read it because this is also important thing to note here this is josh Hartnett's first four if you don't count the faculty because that movie is mostly horror. This is his first foray into science fiction. Hmm. But it's so loose because it's like when... Shh, shh, okay. It's sci-fi. Because, remember, 20, 2013 film. In 2020, that's right, this movie opens in the future. Marine archaeologist Jay Fennell, played by Josh Hartnett, wow. is brain dead Fennel. after trying to save his wife, Laura, played by Josh Hartnett's real-life wife, Tamsin Egerton, Woo! who got trapped exploring yeah. the wreck of a colonial British merchant ship. The comatose Fennel dreams about the adventures of... 
dreams about the adventures of Captain James Stewart in 1778. Well, I'm James Stewart. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pune, uh, which is in India, mm-hmm. and his romance with a... Are you talking about Pune? P-U-N-E? Um, Pune? Is that, the, is that how you pronounce the name of the city? On Wikipedia, it says Pune. Oh, okay. Never mind. Pune. But yes, P-U-N-E. Uh, it's uh, pronounced Pune. Uh, Okay, I don't know. Where did you hear it was pronounced Pune? I'm um, just a worldly individual. Okay, cool. <laughs> so nothing to back it up. Matt, uh, wait. I'm just a cultural... You, you were going to India once, right? <laughs> you, you keep this out of here. <laughs> you don't say this. If you want, I can cut this out and not bring it up. No, it's fine. I forgot to get a visa. It was... <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Oh boy, I spent a large sum of money for a ticket and uh, forgot to get a visa. And I, when did you find out? At the airport, I found <laughs> out. Took a bunch of days off. I got refunded uh, the full price of my ticket. Thank because God. Because of how pathetic I acted after they told me. <laughs> and that's out there. And uh, it's Pune, though. So. <laughs> So who's laughing now? So who's really Delta? stupid, huh? I'm sorry, I only brought it up because you were correcting my pronunciation of Indian locations. <laughs> it's the only one I can, too. Uh, but, oh yeah, sorry. Anyway, let me, let me finish this one paragraph, because we're on the last sentence. Yeah. So the comatose Fennel dreams about the adventures... <laughs> also, I did not know his name was Fennel. Did not, uh, like he dreams day. about the adventures of Captain James Stewart in 1778 Pune, and his romance with a... Maratha? Maratha? Yeah. Maratha warrior Tulaja Naik. Uh, apologies for my butchering the pronunciation of all these Indian words. Oh, and she is played by Bipasha Basu, who is a big Bollywood star making her English language debut. That's correct. Mm. That's correct. Yeah. So that's all we get for the synopsis of the lovers on Wikipedia. Right. They don't even follow up with the remainder of the plot on yeah. here like some do. And yeah. so all I knew going into this was like, okay, some sort of like time travel thing. It's set in different time periods. And I was thinking while Matt was thinking, I was thinking Cloud Atlas, The Fountain, mm-hmm. people like a, a romance like recurring, like with people like being reincarnated or recurring through time. Yeah. Actually, you know what I thought about the most? Actually, I said this to you earlier today. Okay. Uh, this brought to mind immediately for me Hawkman and Hawkgirl from DC Comics, who have one of the more convoluted backstories of anyone in the DC universe, which is saying a lot. But the basic thing with with Hawkman and Hawkgirl is that they are Thanagarian warriors in the planet Thanagar, who landed, who came to Earth (laughs) and landed in ancient Egypt. And then they would... Uh, recur through time. They would die and constantly be reincarnated and always find each other. And oh, uh, again and again and again through current times. In different bodies, each time they re- reincarnated, they would look different? They they seem to usually look fairly similar. Okay. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. But but that, I thought, was going to be what, kind of what this would be about. I, I just like, okay, I know there's like romance, different time periods. Josh is in both time periods. I, was, I didn't watch the trailer or anything. And I just thought, right. hey, this sounds like Hawkman. I like that there's a Josh for every... Time period. Yeah, there was a Josh for every time period, but not, not a other people for every time period. Which was we'll, very confusing. we'll get into that. Yeah. But the opening ten minutes or so of this movie is basically about. the abyss. Like yeah. James Cameron's The Abyss. 
Yeah, Josh is just underwater in a, in a submersible suit, kind of like a mech suit a little bit. Like like James Cameron himself. Like James Cameron, <laughs> yeah. Just down in the water, like what James Cameron does just on his free time. And uh, they're exploring the wreckage of something that's under the water. And um, and Josh is sort of like using these little pincer things that he has on his suit. And he's like trying Titanic. To, like, scrape away. Yep, like Titanic. I haven't seen Titanic in uh, in a little bit, I know that they go underwater to explore the wreckage, but I don't know the exact. It's how it type opens. It's exactly how it, it yeah. opens. The same way where they use yeah. it as a kickoff point to then go back in time. The thing is, well, yeah. well in Titanic, it's a, a little like robot that they're operating remotely. Oh, and uh, and but with pincer things. <laughs> So, but here there's a person in the like in the suit because they're not yeah. as deep as they were in Titanic. But uh, yeah. but and they then, call him a marine biologist on the Wikipedia page, but he's like a marine archaeologist. He doesn't study like aquatic life. It seems like yeah, they're, he, they're right. uncovering a wreckage. But also like in like, Titanic, yeah. Well, he just <laughs> seems like sort of like a, a resident genius because then it, you know there are data cubes. There are. Da- because it's the future, so there's just these, like, stupid... It's always just, like, the go-to technology is always holograms. <laughs> like, yeah. no matter... Like, for, like, 30 years, we've just been, like, what if it was uh, a hologram? And then, so, like... Not even that, though. Their technology is... Um, you know those glass cubes where you can inject the air bubbles into them, and then you have a portrait within, yeah, like, like the, a clear glass cube? The precision laser things. So imagine that, but it can move. Like, the images inside the cubes can move. So everything's kind of, like, clean and smooth-lined and, and sharp-looking. Also, I'm, I'm realizing that we, we skipped ahead. We didn't talk about the actual opening of the movie. Oh, oh which is... Because oh, it actually true. begins... The soothsayer in, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it actually begins in some... Seemingly in India, but not in a specified time, exactly. No, it's, it, it's, I think it's supposed to take place in the 1778 timeline. It's supposed to be when, uh, sorry, I'm forgetting. Papasha Basu. Tulaja is already like, Tulaja is, I, this is what I didn't understand. This is before Tulaja becomes the palace guard. She receives a sort of like, a sort of like reading from this, from this elder monk guy. This seer. This seer who um, claims that she will find great love in her life. And I'll also, can, that I, he will, can I point out? That the guy who plays that that monk, mm. he is one of the he's like one of the guys like wearing a suit uh, at the palace in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, he oh, is. But he's, nice. he's way younger there. He has hair and glasses. But he's the guy who welcomes the illustrious Doctor Jones to. Oh, <laughs> weird. Uh, was it to, to Pancot Palace? <laughs> Jump ahead twenty years later, and he's just. He looks like shit. He's just hanging out over Well, he's aged 30 years. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I'm just being mean. So he looks all right. Yeah, no, uh, he looks fine. But he just tells her, like, this kind of shitty prophecy where he, like, prophesizes that she's, she's going to find basically the love of her life, and then uh, she's going to uh, be betrayed. And they also show No, a- not that she's going to be betrayed, that she is going to betray her lover. I thought he said that she would be betrayed. I can't remember. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I watched really. this movie today. Me too. Also, I, th- there is there's a shot. There's a shot of a, of a there's a big close up of a ring, Fuck. 
of a ring that looks like a snake with yes. like a yes. pearl in it. There's this two... is super important. It's super important. The ring. Oh, the ring. Yes. It's so yes. important. There's snake rings and there's two of them. Now remember those two facts. And the, the snakes too. Yeah. And they it's click so together important. and they make a whole one ring. They look yes. just like the uh, the snake rings that Taylor Swift wears now. Because yes. this actually yes. was, this was just like stealth promotion for the Reputation Tour, but years earlier. Yes, she just planned right. it all out. Her family did it. Yeah. <laughs> and also, this is a huge thing that Taylor Swift is a, a fan of, is, is Taylor Swift is actually a recurring woman <laughs> through time. Yes. <laughs> uh, just a sort of like pretty decent, but like largely uh, annoying <laughs> pop star that just appears, that just shows up through the ages. Yeah. But they actually, they, they couldn't get the licensing rights to her music, so they had to cut her out of it. She's, <laughs> she's in the director's cut of The oh, Lovers. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. Uh, originally, they had a bunch of her songs on the soundtrack. Yeah, and the, this is when she was in her country music phase, so it's country. Yeah, that's why they got Tamsin Egerton, because she looks pretty she much looks the same. She does look a Actually, little Taylor Swifty. Yeah. Yeah, as in she is a skinny white woman with blonde, blonde with hair. with like wavy hair. blonde hair. Yeah. Kinky boots. Um <laughs> so yeah, so she gets this whatever, this like semi-shitty prophecy, which it's unclear why she's going there. What her background really is it seems like she takes a hard left turn somewhere and goes, "Okay, my heart is closed, I'm becoming a warrior." Yeah. And then and then apparently when she closes her said heart, then it's, it's unopenable. Yeah. It's closed forever. Yes. Because she asked to, to have an old man tell her about her love life, and he did, and it wasn't what she wanted yeah. to hear. Even um, when romance and then, comes a-knocking. And and the movie gets a, does she get the ring from no, him? No, there's, there's a shot of the ring. It's literally like Lord of the Rings. Like You see it being forged, <laughs> and it's like a man is like, the ring after much toil was created, yes. and the two pieces must unite in order for its full power to be unleashed. And I'm like, oh, fuck? And then all of a sudden, it's just like a lady, <laughs> oh, and she's like, am I going to have a boyfriend? He's like, you will have the best boyfriend, but it'll, your heart will be broken. She's like, I'll never have a boyfriend. I guess I'll never. Then. I'm going to just sword fight, and uh, c- bam, cut to 2020. <laughs> but yeah. seriously, though. There actually, there is a, kind of a nice transition cut. where the, the camera, like, Dollies forward and pushes uh, down into this this little like pool outside this temple, yeah. and then it just kind of f- uh, it fades pretty seamlessly into a close up of the submersible suit thing in modern times. They do uh, deep fun, underwater. They do fun matching transitions in this movie. Yeah, th- this movie has both some good filmmaking and, in my opinion, some lazy filmmaking, and we'll talk about them both. But yeah. the, the transitions, which are cool because they're, they, they were a kind of interesting way to show, like, the... I thought they were a good visual way to show the connectedness of time between periods where it'll be, like, you'll get some, like, weird... Like, the ring in the submersion water, like, flickering, and then it'll, like, slowly fade into, you know, some weird circular light in some future ship or something like right. that. Right. Also, it should be pointed out that there are not as many of these transitions... As you might think there would be. No, they're stacked at the basically the end. Beginning and the end. Yeah. Right. But mainly the end, you're right. They're and stacked I think, and there. that is one of my problems with this movie. Yeah. But a, a minor problem, but a problem. Anyway, so now we're in the future, 
and uh, and you know because there's holograms. And Josh is down. The, also, you can tell because his submersible suit is like really smooth. Oh yeah, it yeah. Does, it's, it's not like chunky with and like blocky, which tells you, oh, this is current times. And it's really smooth and yellow, so it's like. Well, that looks a That's little advanced. <laughs> yeah. In the future, things are smooth. Yeah, right. You lose all that chunkiness. And so they're looking for something, and but also it's like this shipwreck. Yeah, right? they're, yeah they're digging through a shipwreck. Like Titanic. Like Titanic, yeah. They're, they're drawing from a lot of sources here. And uh, it's kind of unclear what they're looking for at first. They don't really mention it. Josh is just sort of like, oh, I, I didn't <laughs> find it today. Well... Jake, that's a hard day's work. That's a really good Josh Hartnett impression. Yeah, yeah, that's great. No, let me try seriously. All right. Oh, I didn't. uh, No. God, you sound like Solid Snake trying to be charming. Yeah, it's not good. Oh, so like, what do you do for uh, (laughs) for work? (laughs) (laughs) Want to go to a restaurant? I hear the food is pretty tasty. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Anyway, we got that. So he comes back up, and then we'll be revisiting that though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Considering that we do daily in our lives. Um, and Tamsin Egerton, who let's see what her character's name is. She is Laura Fennel. Yeah, they're she's Mrs. Fennel. And uh, <laughs> sorry, I don't know why Fennel's funny. It's just like I know it's, it's like thing. a licorice flavored <laughs> celery, and it makes me laugh. Um, Isn't it a grain? No, 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 it's a vegetable. Oh, right, 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 right. Fennel is is literally celery that tastes like licorice, and is the silliest vegetable of all time. Anyways, nature's Twizzlers. Yes. So Mr. and Mrs. Fennel are hanging out on the <laughs> are hanging out on this ship. And uh, they're in love. They're lovers, and they're scientists, and, and they're both they're m- both marine archaeologists. And you find out that the important thing that they're trying to look for in this shipwreckage underwater, you guess it, it's that double ass snake ring that they're trying to find with the magic powers. Kind of like how in Titanic, they're also <laughs> trying to find jewelry, but is in it a magic jewelry in the Titanic? No. Uh. It yeah, could now be. you know you're dealing with a whole. Also, different the, beast. for the record, the ring is called the Lovers. Yes, yes. Uh, If you got excited and thought this movie was about human lovers, wrong. No, it's about metal that clasps together. If you thought you were going to see warm organic material, (laughs) that's the way I describe a a braid and 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 (laughs) engulf its each other. (laughs) You are wrong. Cold metal is is clinking into place. Well, well, actually, you are right. (laughs) I'm a human being. But yeah, so so I think. Um, right away, one one mistake this movie made is uh oh it's squishing is is call- so having a movie called The Lovers where it's not about people it's about rings um I think that is I don't think anyone would be excited about that that just seems disappointing in general like yeah. oh ooh this movie must be romantic it's about it's a, it's called The Lovers it's about lovers oh the lovers are rings oh it's just inanimate well, objects. It's, it's no, a title that encapsulates a bunch of different things because it is also about uh, warm organic lovers too. Yeah, that, that, as opposed to just cold and, metal ones. and that, quantum entanglement theory. That is yeah. true. Well, also, and it's we should point out now. Actually, we should have pointed sexy quantum entanglement. We should have pointed this out already. <laughs> the lovers was not the original title for the movie. No, the oh, original, yeah. no. lay the it on us. Original title was Singularity. Right, which is doesn't, it, yeah. doesn't make sense. And uh, that makes you think it's, well, you hear Singularity and then like the premise of the movie and you think, oh, it's definitely going to be more of a like kind of cloud thing. atlas fountain kind of thing. Yeah. And, and obviously like that sounds probably too sci-fi and they're like, no, we want to appeal to people, like people with the romance. So let's give it the most 
generic rom- I mean they might have as well like a I don't know romantic story. Well, to be fair though, come on, like the the, the romance sing- time. The singularity first uh, of all is like a pre-existing concept that has nothing to do with any of the themes in this movie. And Right, uh, but it just it sounds sciency. It does sound sciency, but this movie is a period drama basically. Almost right. almost entirely. And, and so I get why they decided not to go with the title that sounds It's sciency. like Assassin's Creed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this movie kind it, of is like Assassin's Creed. <laughs> you're not wrong. But all these things are great IP and this is like a pretty disappointing movie. I just think they should have given this a a more interesting title. Yeah. That wouldn't have saved the content of the film. No, no. Well, well, as we always do, as we go through this, we're going to figure out how this movie could be fixed. Sure. Because I think there are elements there that are appealing. It's just that that they're assembled in a way that's not appealing. Oh, I got a good title for this movie. What? Time and Time Again. Ooh. Yeah. Because I got a a name for it. The time rings. <laughs> Ooh. That sounds cool. Then you're like, what are they? And then you <laughs> care about the rings. <laughs> Actually, you know, a title that, that occurred to me earlier today while I was watching this and thinking about like what would be a better title was because the score in this movie, like the, the musical score, yeah. a bunch of it, I think, is cribbed pretty blatantly from Tan Dune's score for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh. It is, there's like... Like in terms of the instrumentation, in terms of the melody, it like there are, are parts of it that are just like blatantly r- ripping from it, which mm-hmm. I get because I think that is a great score. Yeah, but the but there's corresponding imagery, right? <laughs> also, it's interesting <laughs> That's because different. Yeah, you, you know these movies are both set in Asia, just different countries in Asia. Right, we think it's the same. Uh, but what I what I thought That's of hard. is that. Uh, the the sort of the big like the the song that plays in the end credits of Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon. I know this because I love that movie so much. It's Creed, um, right? Yeah, yeah. They roll credits, and uh, she falls off the waterfall, and then it's roll credits, and it's arms wide open. Well, she has her arms wide open when she yeah. jumps off at the end. No, so, no, it would definitely be six feet from the edge. Yeah, yeah whatever. That by the way, called. I, I some of our listeners are younger uh if you haven't seen crouching tiger hidden dragon it is in my opinion the best movie of the 21st century and you should see it and apologies that we vaguely referred to what happens in the final scene no what i was going to say was the like the song from the end of crouching tiger hidden dragon is called a love before time Ah. and i was like (gasps) that would have been a better title for this movie hell yeah that would have been a great title yeah and it's like if you're already stealing the music from that movie Steal the title of the music from that movie. Steal more, yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, right off the bat. Love me once, shame on me. Love me twice. Don't get fooled again. And you'll get uh, the rings from the (laughs) hospital. And And the nurse will be your lover. (laughs) (laughs) I think. We'll we'll talk more about this movie and that and that great title I just said will come to you'll understand it. Oh yeah. Just buckle up, guys. Buckle up. Fifty ways to leave your lover. Ooh. Hey. With one ring (laughs) that you have to click into the other one. Okay, so look, guys, we haven't even gotten to India yet. Yeah. So um, let's get there. No, yeah, let's speed up. So okay. 
Mr. and Mrs. Fennel are hanging out on the boat. <laughs> Jay, don't say that if you want us to stay on topic. <laughs> they're hanging out on the boat, and they go to sleep. And they're like, oh, babe, this is a great day down under the water. But we can't we get... Had we had awesome work. It's a shame we couldn't get the ring right away because it was no. blocked by a beam. So, and so they're like, well, it's 2020, but we still can't move the beam. We don't have enough technology or time. Let's go to bed. Let's just go to sleep. <laughs> Let's sleep on it. And then the... Boy, am I pooped. <laughs> but it's also almost their anniversary or something. Yeah. And she's like... She's like, the a wife is like, Mrs. Fennel's like, you know what? I'm going to give him the best anniversary gift he's ever had. I'm going to go down there and get the <laughs> ring that somehow was impossible to move, but I'll just do it alone. By and you myself, know what? In the middle of a storm. A, a at night. Fierce storm in the middle of the ocean at night for my husband's anniversary. Yep. Yeah. So anyway... It pretty almost comically cuts to her just like, oh, she's just like bit trapped under a beam under the water and she's running out of oxygen in her suit and everyone's running around. <laughs> and it almost is like, it is almost like a should be played for laughs. Yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> immediately like, she has like 6% oxygen left. <laughs> and, and doesn't Josh just kind of wake up and is like, where well, is no, she? Well, she, no, he gets woken up by like the, the lady hubbub. who, it oh, seems... Right really, really half-assed her job of not letting the wife go under the water. She's like, I said she shouldn't, but then she... She said it was your anniversary. That's literally what they say. But then she was like, it's for a present for you. And I was like, okay, sorry. (laughs) She has 6% oxygen. (laughs) It's bad because she only has like 6% oxygen. And they're like, the Coast Guard's coming, but it's going to be too slow. She's got 10 minutes left to live. Uh, there's we didn't fill any of the other tanks with air because you told us not to. <laughs> <laughs> and so as as dumb as the setup is, like her suddenly like making this moronic decision to like go down there. Right. Yeah. This part where Josh just free dives down there to rescue her, I think is the best part of the movie. Oh, we're it's talking really about cool. Heartthrob moments oh, for Josh Hartnett. Just he, rips his shirt off. Well, take, no, no mistake. They should have, if the director knew what he was doing, should have had a a well composed dramatic shot of Josh Hartnett ripping his sh- like, like like tearing his shirt off yeah. dramatically. Oh yeah, he just if, he just has his shirt off and then jumps in the if water. If you're gonna go full like classic epic bodice ripper romance, yeah, get him and he's on which a boat. This, which seafaring guys, it's like a huge theme in erotic literature. Like yeah, get him <laughs> like slowly like ripping his shirt off with like ocean spray in the middle of a storm it's perfect right lightning yeah. strikes behind him oh, like so he's a hero yes yeah. he that... has that floppy jack hair from titanic too he's right. got like the leo hair and you're already going full james cameron here yeah just do that and they uh, obscured his tattoo yes that's true no, no josh tat. tat. no josh tat i i do like <laughs> i did laugh because the he's like i'm go all right there's only, I, there's only one thing i'm gonna free dive and uh, I do like that the one dude on the on the boat got one more kind of mean jibe in, where he's like, "I'm free diving in there. I gotta save her." He's like, "No, don't. We already had one one uh, moron or something. <laughs> free dive." He's like, two dead morons isn't gonna help us." And, and yeah. he basically just called his wife both a moron and go- as good as dead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so terrible. But I, I will say, as we're talking about this, I keep bad company. I feel like like he should have had some really like melodramatic line like before he dives in and like about how like someone will be like you know no you'll die and like i don't know he, he throws out like some like like the camera pushes in he gives some, like 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 really killer one-liner oh, and then yeah. dives yeah, like, something is, about love like, I, i'll well, die for my wife right well because like i that. think like 
so much about this movie is yeah. Ooh, like good. on paper so much about this movie is melodramatic yeah and i feel like and it's so bland so much of it is so bland and doesn't lean into the melodrama the way that i think it that it should and you've got here a huge opportunity but the hero of the movie diving to the bottom of the ocean to rescue in in a storm to rescue his wife like just like lean into it a bit more don't yeah. try to be so respectable just like Give him like like a big killer line as lightning flashes in the background and he tears his shirt and off. He's and he's just in. wearing his khakis and he's shoeless, and then he just he, what does he hug like a giant weight that sort of brings him fast yeah. down to the bottom. Yeah, of the he ocean. has like an anchor essentially that he, he holds like, onto an anchor and then like some sort of like mask to give him a little bit of air and then like and then he basically runs out. He saves his wife, but he runs out of oxygen and passes out. And uh, they they rise to the surface. There is a pretty good shot where he's Pieta like, you know, sort of Christ like he is. Yeah. He kind of emerges unconscious out of the water while like a huge overhead light shines down. And that was a pretty good shot. Yeah. Um, they get him on board. They resuscitate him, and he's like charmingly like, you know, blasé about his near death experience. He and- sort of laughs at Tamsin Egerton. He goes like, huh. If you ever do that again, I'll kill you or something like that. Yeah, and he's he just like, he sort of joking. Coughs up then he some coughs up blood. blood. And what was the deal with that? The bends? Well, you're not supposed to. Uh, Rach was telling me this as we were watching the movie. She's like, "Oh, you don't sit Rach, up." Rach, Rach is Jake's current wife. Yes, she's my she's my current wife. <laughs> current, current. <laughs> I'm gonna, of word being current. I'm gonna keep this going. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and she is uh, CPR certified, knows how to use a AED or whatever. So she was like. <laughs> dropping some knowledge and just like, oh, no, you, the first thing you would do when you resuscitate someone is you don't let them sit up. You're supposed to keep them down on their back the entire time. And so Josh basically pulls a huge boner. He sits up, <laughs> and he and he immediately has what seems like an aneurysm A big or old something. gaff. Yeah. And, uh, and he coughs up blood, falls back down, and drifts away into a coma. And now a big old Roland gaff. <laughs> Sorry. But, and, uh, and so, so, but Roman I mean, Gaffey. like, what, what the fuck happened to him? Uh, it seems like know. such a severe thing to happen. You know what? He he quickly went to the bottom of the ocean, and then kind of drowned, and then came back. Look, I that's enough for me to accept that he went into a coma or something like that. Also, I, I will say this hit a thing that always is difficult for me to watch in movies, which is people drowning. When, yeah. the, when their body like lurches Ugh. and uh, like oh, God, when yeah. they're they're underwater, and um, it, yeah, it, it's always rough. Uh, I, I always like clench my teeth when I see that. Yeah, there's, so there's there's few worse ways to to perish. So right before it they seems like. right before they go back into seven seventy eight, uh, you know they're 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 in the hospital and uh, Mrs. Fennel is sitting there looking at him on all of these respirators and things and there's all these uh cube hologram cubes playing his speeches and this is where i was like is he just a marine archaeologist or whatever or or an oceanographer or is he like yeah a physicist as well because he essentially delivers a bit of the kind of very like loose half-assed quantum theory shit that they also try and and shoehorn in here and as we're talking about this now, I realize that we really don't know a whole lot about Josh's character or like, not just like what he, he does for a living, but like just, no just who he is uh, 
like in this opening section, who that person is. Right. Well, he's and, taken out of the picture immediately. Right. But I'm also just, again, since we talked so much about Titanic, I'm again just reminded of how, look, that movie paints in real broad strokes and is 19 hours long. But in like <laughs> 30 seconds, you totally get Bill Paxton's deal yeah. at the beginning of that movie in terms of uh, like what he's looking for, why he does this, like what his personality is like, why right. he's compelled to do this. His like you know everything about him right away. It's like, you know, really simple, direct, effective characterization. I'm just like, I it would be great to like know something about Josh other than that he likes his wife. Especially as we get further and further along this movie and we realize the strange time traveling sci-fi connective threads between the seventeen seventy plot line and this twenty twenty plot line that's going on with the fennels on their boat <laughs> yeah and uh and so it just becomes more and more clear that they should have probably built up some kind of connection with josh's character um right he just seems like a generic good guy yeah and and it, then we jump back to 1778 and yeah. guess and guess who and it's josh again. it's josh <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well to be clear that transition is is a is is important because the way they sort of crossfade into 7070 is Josh is in a coma in 2020 and we have a close up of his face. And so I feel like it's meant to give the impression that we're entering into some space within his mind. Right? And then it fades to black and then fades in on an hourglass. Oh, and then the camera pulls back whoa. and rack focuses Time. to an old timey ship. And then the camera pulls back and reveals it. That uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm watching the movie on my, la my laptop right now. Uh, and then we see a guy with old timey hair sitting at an old timey desk, looking out at the ship from a balcony. Like Josh has a yeah. little bit of like a perm. Yeah, and who, <laughs> and who is it? It's it's Josh Hartnett, and it is 1778. He is a British officer. He's in India. No, no, no. He's not a British officer. He's, He's a Scottish officer. No, he's not an English officer. Oh. He's still a British officer. Oh, you're right. Oh, oh. Damn it. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. Pune. Okay. And but no, he is. <laughs> so, so two things I want to address right here. You know it's 1778 because a character very directly says this summer of 1778. Yeah, it's really annoying. Cool. And it just made me think of Beatles. Stop fighting here in India. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so silly. Which is what they're literally doing in this movie. Yep. Uh, side oh. note: If you have not seen the masterpiece that is Walk Hard, the Dewey the, Cox the story, story uh, see it immediately because it is one of the most important films of our time. But lesser oh, to Step Brothers, but still very good. Yeah. Because mm. like debatable. Step Brothers can't beat the pure beauty of the line. He somehow needs more and less blankets. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That line's so good. Um, I so need anyway, an army of didgeridoos. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, whew, that is a good movie. Goddamn. Um, <laughs> just jo like here. Okay. I, I, Josh's name is Captain. We've said it before. Captain James Stewart. Yeah. So he's yes. Captain Jimmy Stewart. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I won't even do it I, anymore. No. Yeah. Jake. Jake. You want to give us some more of that? Uh, no, no, no. Well, I'll... I'll let's, well, let's... <laughs> oh, no. I don't want to do it, but maybe I'll try. Oh, God. That was... <laughs> you know what, Jimmy... It's not funny, Jim... man. <laughs> That's such a good one. It's not funny. Um, Jimmy Stewart veers so dangerously close to a, the voice of a chicken. <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird. Wait. Wow! 
like you're just why, about to why hasn't cock a doodle do? It's like if Homsar and a chicken yeah. were a man. Homsar <laughs> <laughs> runner and a fucking chicken. A chicken also, runner. Um, again, for our younger listeners, You've heard us refer to Homestar Runner before, but if you are not familiar yeah, with, with the, the, the minor Homestar Runner character, Homstar, uh, a man who was raised by a cup of coffee, you should look into that. Listen, I don't care. I'm old. I, my references are fucking old. Yeah. And they make... But no, 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 no. Matt, they're timeless. Oh. Timeless. Like the, like the rings. Like, like, the, lo- like the lovers. Yes. Like the lovers. But so... Pro here. Key thing Captain we have to talk James about here. Stewart. Josh Hartnett. Plays a Scotsman. That mm-hmm. means, that's right, Josh Hartnett doing a some form of a British accent for, for the, the first s- time since Blow Dry. Blow dry. Which and was a catastrophic failure. <laughs> yes. Funny that. Ta. Oh, ma. He's cotton. Bit spooky that. Oh, boy's cotton again. <laughs> and now he's doing Scottish, which is also not easy. No. Yes. And so... What I really noticed well, about easy for him. about his accent here is <laughs> yeah, that I mean, I'll fucking nail this it. is <laughs> Jay, can I drink some again. Like I wouldn't say he's doing an especially good Scottish accent, but he does not seem nearly as visibly uncomfortable as he did in Blow Dry doing yeah. that British accent. Yeah, I agree. But you know something he seems else? Proud of it. I'll say he seemed proud of his ability. He's, to do he it. seems more like a lot more relaxed. And to be fair, it is. Marginally better. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Well, again, blow dry, you can see him like tensing up every second he's on screen, thinking about his accent and the fact that he's acting against Alan Rickman. And he just seems so stressed and uncomfortable and also probably mad at Rachel Lee Cook because she doesn't have to do a British accent for some reason, even though her father in the movie yeah, is in British fact, as well. She's literally from his birthplace in real life in the movie. <laughs> so crazy. Right. Yeah. And, but, and here, like, and, he, too. and here he's got another tough accent, and accents are not his strong suit, but he's, re- he's actually able to give a performance beyond just straining and, like, stressing about the accent it, the whole it, time. It yeah. seems like he truly, where Blow Dry, it seemed like he was, it was, like, almost sprung on him or something. It seemed like he really did kind of prepare or have some sort of speech coaching for this one. Right. Yeah. And... Yeah, I mean, that's the, not to say again that it's flawless by any means, but right. it is. It's it's not distractingly bad. But you were, just, as you were saying, it's more it's more a confident performance. Right. I I, I did not think of uh, Keanu Reeves and Bram Stoker's Dracula nearly no. at all <laughs> the way I did every second he was on screen in Blow Dry, and this did not make me think of like Seven Years in Tibet. I was about to say Brad Pitt in Seven Years in Tibet or yeah. any, any of those. It's just not a great accent, but. I didn't think about it very much. But did oh, you yeah, guys all have the same experience where he wakes up, his brother wakes him up, and all of a sudden his brother's like, Jock, you gotta wake up, we're going to the bread. <laughs> and you're like, oh no, he's Scottish. He just <laughs> called him his brother. What's up, Brosif? Yeah, you wanna talk to me? <laughs> and then you're like, you're just, I was just holding my breath for when Josh opens his mouth because like, I am now aware. Yep. That he's going to have to do this for the second time in his career. And I believe yeah. that the actor playing his brother is actually Scottish. What's up, my relative? My <laughs> That sounds Russian. That's Russian. Wait, guys, sorry. I just noticed, I'm I'm, I pulled up the movie on IMDb. IMDb has this movie listed with the title Time Traveler. It the says three? The Lovers as original title. So... They changed the title. Is this like a live, die, repeat situation where they tried to change the title after the movie came out? Nay, Patrick. 
they released it as a uh, <laughs> they released it in the UK as Time Traveler. This was in 2016. <laughs> it's my normal voice again. Hey guys, it's Jake again. What's up? I know you thought that it was a Scotsman guest starring on this episode. Yeah, but Jake likes to play no. his Scots character Finnegus Haggis. <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me, Matt. That is Finnegus Mac Haggis. Finnegus Mac Haggis. <laughs> Sorry for. Do we have Scott? We must have one Scottish listener. We got listeners listener. all around the world. Listen, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Oh shit. But I, hey, yeah. I, don't I don't get know, little, man. Look, I get all picky about Irish accents because my family is from Ireland. But I don't give a fuck about Scottish be, accents. To, I don't know any of those. You people. can't do one though. What? A a, you can't do an Irish accent though, right? I oh. just get str- like if I if I get drunk, I can go into it like <laughs> like relatively okay. I just get especially Tom. because I I grew up being like my mom raised me to be really. Like vigilant about bad Irish accents, so I just get really self conscious when mm-hmm. I start doing it. It's like I know all the mechanical things, but I just get like I, I just get really nervous whenever I try to do one. But if you pour like six glasses of whiskey in me, then you mean I, Irish? You mean Irish juice? Get that Irish juice. Irish juice. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so if you like drive over to the Jameson Distillery. Get me like a large bottle, bring it over to me, uh, pour me six glasses of it, and then I consume all of those glasses. Then I'll go into an Irish accent, you know, like uh, pretty easily. And uh, you know, if if asked, I don't do it instinctively. All right. Well, that's something. We, that's something. <laughs> yeah, patio furniture. <laughs> right. We. Oh, I never heard that before. That's a really good joke. <laughs> wow. Really. No, you, actually, my. Wait, are you being serious? There's no way. Okay, no. Okay, no, 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 I mean, yes, friends have, have called me that for, for like 15 years, but I, but <laughs> I, no, actually, see, no, uh, my family, they have out back of, um, of my parents' house, uh, some patio furniture, and they refer to it as the Irish Cousins. Aw, that's, that's funny. Yeah, again, another charming anecdote about Pat's family. They're good. My They're parents good are very people. nice. They're good people. Jake yeah. came back home from visiting our family. He has two black eyes because that's how my, <laughs> our mom. Uh, I told them about the Josh Hartnett podcast. Yeah. They got mad. That's with Jake. This is what you're doing with your life? Yeah. I said, I have to get back on Monday. And they were like, why don't you get a later bus? And I was like, I, I got to get an earlier bus. And they were like, and then, why? And my stomach dropped because I realized I was going to have to explain what I was coming back yeah. for. I get I wake when I every time I come home and, and my, they beat me up so bad. So and they said, bad. at least tell us that this man Josh Hartnett is aware of your podcast. Yeah, <laughs> if I don't get a McDonald's strawberry milkshake and my mom's favorite pack of cigarettes, <laughs> I get karate chopped in the throat. <laughs> tell uh, me, Josh Hartnett at least knows about the podcast. He doesn't. <laughs> Oh, we thought he had a Twitter whooped. account, but then it turned out to be fake. <laughs> it was like a Mexican guy. <laughs> uh, so, Josh, if you want us to stop getting a whooping from our parents, you got to come on. Just their mom, though. You're, no, our dad is just different. He's just kind of out of the picture. <laughs> but this is all a long way of saying Josh plays a Scottish character in this movie. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> named Jimmy Stewart, a Scotsman <laughs> named Jimmy Stewart. So we're an hour He's into this episode, yeah. Mr. Fennel and Jimmy Stewart. So guys, what else happens Good in this job. movie? Well, okay, and then so, they're lovers or something. <laughs> Josh falls in love. That, well, Josh is a yeah, he's a British 
soldier. He's a surveyor. He's a he's a, he's he's a, a road builder. He's, he's, he's been going all over India. Obviously, we're land. in the we're in the period of uh, British colonial rule in certain parts of India. Good time. Uh, wonderful time. Um, we should bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Indian listeners, tell us how you feel about that. Mm-hmm. Who's the pri- Modi? Is that the whatever? Mm. I don't know nothing. Um, but anyway. Yeah, so but he's he's like sort of like a, a Lawrence of Arabia type. He kind of he's he, he's no fan of the British being Scottish, and uh, he's he's also a, uh, being there for I think he said three years, building four roads. Years. Four years. He's been there for four years. Yeah. He's built a kind. He's gone native a little bit. He's 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 developed a, a a real personal appreciation for the land and its people, mm-hmm. and that makes him sympathetic to. Indigenous causes and 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 way more antipathetic towards right. the British and the British are played by just absolutely ruddy, splotchy, fat, old oh drunk men. They're just a bunch of they're just a bunch of <laughs> so greedy nasty. villains, like capitalist colonialists who just sit in a boardroom and just. There's one point later on in the movie where they're just like. Let's have a war. Yeah. War, war, yes, and then war. And they clink their glasses of brandy together, and there's just a, a huge bowl of grapes in the middle of the table. Yeah, they're always sitting in these in this like completely like bowing table filled with f- food and jeweled glasses, and they're all drinking brandy, and they're all completely covered in sweat and beet red because they're drunk all the time, and they're oh. just like... Also, they have their, their wacky old, like, white wigs on. Yeah, yeah, like, askew, and they're just like... And terrible circulation, because their faces are so splotchy. Well, there's the fat one who's just like, you, we must... I don't see what morality has to do with where gold is involved. Yeah. And then there's, like, a sort of, like, fey one, like, a th- the thin, like, Dutch guy who's like... Mm, perhaps a war should be happening, just like, <laughs> like a simpering, just like just and like it, cartoons. It's so funny. Yeah, that one, the the simpering one, always like either like salaciously popped a fruit into his mouth <laughs> before he delivered any line, yeah. or took a sniff and a sip of the drink that he was holding. Right. So yeah. he'd always be like, perhaps we should murder them. A war like, could be quite advantageous yeah. to the company. <laughs> But then there is we were introduced to the Indian characters. Yes, and mm-hmm. they're, they're including Bipasha, Bipashu. Sorry. Yeah. Well, um, we have well, to well look at her name again. Uh, well, her the character she's playing is called Tulaja. Tulaja. Right. Okay. Bipasha Basu is the actress. Indian actress. Yeah. And uh, and if you're wondering, uh, she's beautiful. I mean, everybody's attractive in this movie, not even including the, the gross British men. Yeah. Also, apparently, yeah, uh, the Roland Jaffe was trying to make this movie for like a long time since the late nineties. Yeah, yeah. I was reading Damn. about this. There was a time that uh, Ashwarya Rai was in talks for that role. Yeah, and, and uh, who's the most famous Indian actress? Right. And Brendan Fraser for Josh Hartnett's character. Yeah. I can see that back in the 90s for sure. Oh, yeah. Considering that, you know, if you remove the Scottish part, like, the mummy is, like, immediate <laughs> translation over, like, oh, you take that guy and then yeah. put him in this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, to just an overall note, I think Josh plays it pretty well, the role. I think he's Fine. I think again, there's like not much of a character. There's like nothing for him to do. Josh keeps getting cast as this like generic, handsome good guys. Yeah. And which I'm like getting very frustrated the more of these that we see. It's like we'll get instances like August or Lucky Number Eleven where he actually 
gets to you that are like roles where he gets to do something and like play a character with like different shades to their personality and right, actually yeah. and use his natural charisma. And here he's just these roles are so generic. It's like whatever he's fine. Well, I'm well, I'm torn because like this is essentially to me a fairy tale. So everything can be played simplistically. I I don't know whether I want Josh to be this like again Lawrence of Arabia type who makes these weird kind of tough moral decisions where he's betraying his country or he like is forced to serve his his proper role as like a soldier and like kill you know native indian people like you know or just be this again yeah handsome one-dimensional paragon of a hero i also don't think he works as well in the sort of like generic leading man roles because of his eyeballs i mean i (laughs) They're not visible. Enough. I mean, like he—he's—he's he's, again. We've as we've said many times before, he's a pretty understated actor, and I don't think he's quite commanding enough to like. Uh, as in, you know, you look at, at at a role like this, and like let's see, age-wise, who else could you put in there? Like who's let's like let's say you put, you put in an actual like Scottish actor, you put in like Hugh McGregor or stuff like that. Yeah, like I think or he, Ewan Bremner. Yes, you yeah. and Bremner would. Who? I mean, he should just get all the leading man performances. But like, I could see like you and McGregor, who who's a more expressive actor, would work better in. Could do more, I think, with a sort of just generic, handsome, like like classical good guy role. Right. And and with Josh, I think you you want. I mean, like, look, what are the standout performances that he is given? You know. Like even like Black Hawk Down, right. good movie, but he doesn't really stand out. Yeah, we started. You 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 always notice if he's in an ensemble or if he is not the he, the centerpiece. We've always gravitated largely to other characters as like our favorites. Right, except for instances like the Virgin Suicides that right. utilize his natural charm and like sort of like a bit of again he has his small dark little eyes. <laughs> uh, you know, like like the mystery that he has, and also when he's when he gets, it's such a, a weird, vague thing to talk about. But when he gets to be cool, like he is, like one of the defining characteristics of him in the Virgin Suicides is that he is cool. He's yeah. cool, and as he fuck. knows he's cool. Yeah, and like I can't see anyone doing that as well as he does. Or even like the first half of Lucky Number Eleven. I think that really utilizes something that he doesn't get to play enough. And yeah. and it, it just makes me think that like I, I mean. It's funny, I, uh, from the, uh, we've brought this up on the podcast before, but from the Twitter account, I, I retweeted someone talking about this the other day. Someone's saying, Josh Hartnett for Batman. And yeah. it's like, I could see Josh Hartnett playing Bruce Wayne, just being in the kind of like, like affable, like charismatic, just kind of dumb, just charming yeah. playboy type. Just giving off sort of those really quippy one-liners, but in a, in a roguishly charming way. Right. So it's like he's saying something that's a little off-color, but he, he gets away with it. Exactly. Yeah, he could do Bruce Wayne really well. He could do that, and, and he can do, you know, Mysterious and like, like in Sin City very well. Yeah. And I just think it's when, he, when you put him in those generic leading man roles, the, 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 you know, the kind of thing that, like, you could put, like, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of, like, a... Who else? stuff that like I don't know like a Matt Damon would get thrown in like uh, yeah. you know he's not gonna like Matt Damon's gonna work better for that he's just more expressive. 
Honestly, I mean, they look, they had the right guy lined up originally, just Brendan Fraser. All yeah, the way. Brendan Fraser. Get that, get that fresh off the mummy Fraser <laughs> Ooh, and put Frasier. him in this one. <laughs> hey, that should be a sitcom. You want to yeah. write, write that? Fresh off the mummy? Fresh off the mummy. Fresh off the mummy Fraser. <laughs> and it's Fraser, but it's. <laughs> it's somehow. Somehow it ties in with the mummy. Somehow ties in the mummy. And which Seattle. You get the rock, who's also a scorpion. <laughs> yeah. Scorpion. And uh, scarabs, that scarab beetles that go under your skin. The scarab beetle, one Would of the wash. scarab beetles could be like the dog in Frasier. Yes. It like jumps yes. up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen an episode of Frasier. No, uh, I, but Pat, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, there's a there's like a sort of fumbling around when it comes to Josh trying to play. It's like, oh, just, he's like a handsome white guy. Yeah. Let's, let's put him in. I mean, weirdly, I think like he works better in, like the, of all of these types of roles, I think... He, Strangely enough, Pearl Harbor might be the most effective to sort of classical leading man role he's in. I think but even that, that, he gets a slightly twisted version of that. He doesn't... Ben Affleck is the that straight leading man role. Right. And, and, and Josh Hartnett gets to play sort of the stranger. And I, I think roles. a bunch of that also is that Michael Bay is painting with a real broad brush, as he always does, but also knows how to shoot everybody so that they look like the most amazing human right. being in the world. Yeah. And so it just, it makes better use of just like his physical attributes than most other movies do. Anyway, yeah. so I was watching this movie and just like, once again, Josh is just wasted. It's like, I'm so excited to just get to like, oh, Lucy, where I've seen, <laughs> I've seen the trailer. I mean, Jake, I know you've seen, you've seen it already, but I've, I've seen, seen the, oh, Lucy. I've seen the trailer. And I'm just like, oh, like, look, Josh is doing something new and, and yeah. uh, he's the, not the same thing. Spoiler: so. He rules in that movie, but we'll get to it. Uh, so, I want to watch. I, I, yeah. I don't want to talk instead, about the Patrick, lovers. Instead, we're talking about the lovers, <laughs> and oh, we're going to have to talk about the lovers no. first. We can, we can. You know what? We we can just blow through this because it's not really. Like, we haven't even gotten to the warrior woman, <laughs> <laughs> the Marathi warrior woman. Tell, tell us about her because she's like protecting the king and the, the queen king, and then yeah. the king okay, dies. Guys, yeah. I, let's, let's blow through at least the setup to the conflict because yeah. it's pretty okay. fast. Let's Three, get two, the lovers one. together. Let's get these lovers together. I'll play with huh, Professor folks? Utonium. Pat will play with Professor with Utonium. soft, pliant, organic flesh. <laughs> oh, that you want to mm. see pressed into each other. <laughs> you want to see it pressed. <laughs> also, <laughs> and you know what? For an R-rated Ow. movie... There is not a whole lot of flesh pressing going on. Yeah, I did not see a single goddamn areola, even from the villain woman. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, it should be said, this is maybe the mildest R rating of all time. Yeah. There are, I believe, two fucks uttered, one of them off screen. Both by the cartoon British people. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't give a fuck what we gotta do to get that gold. Oh, and... and <laughs> Very good. And the the violence, there's a lot of like s sword slashing and stuff like yeah. that. But most of it is the kind of almost literally like the mummy style PG thirteen bloodless like uh, sword That's slashing. We're doing like Errol Flynn shit. Like it feels yeah. like it, you know, it something they need to remove the sheen of grim seriousness and and go way more for like swashbuckling right if you're gonna get an r rating go for Shrek. the r rating right this should be sexier more violent more melodramatic yeah super melodramatic i mean if we want to have it be i want to see penetration where... and with swords and hey. dicks right okay yes sword yeah. penetration dick fighting <laughs> Sword fighting in both accounts. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. But uh, honestly, like the, the, has a the romance panther. in this movie is closer to like an Ang Lee movie, 
Yeah. Where it's like, oh, people are like kind of afraid to say how they feel and they know they shouldn't and they're repressed and they might get together once, but then they won't do it again and they'll feel bad about it and they won't, and it'll just be all unspoken stuff. Well, that that's yes. fine for a while and the, until the, until the, the, fi- the flesh. Presses. Right. Until no, no. It, until, until it hot off the flesh. You, you can have people <laughs> resisting and then they get together, but for this Third whole movie, this, this should be people like making out under waterfalls and yeah, stuff like that and then murdering other people tigers and stuff and walking a, and a around. swell of strings yeah to a company right um, okay and so it should be called a love though. before time okay yes so okay so here's the setup <laughs> die another day so j- yes Ooh. diamonds are forever <laughs> in the rings what if madonna uh, did the song Ooh. and then maybe she could have a cameo too yes she'd be good life be cool. is a mystery yeah. um so, meanwhile, <laughs> I already forgot her name again. Okay. Um, what is the... Uh, Tulaja. Tulaja yes. is, has become, because of a stupid prophecy that she asked for, supposedly, at the, beginning. at the beginning, she is now closed off her heart. She is the queen's guard in uh, at the palace, and uh, she is just training. She has a friend whose name I'm forgetting. It's a guy. Uh, he is the son of the king or something like that, and he... Uh, he seems to have a crush on her, but it's unreciprocated. They're kind of like buddies that grew up together. Um, anyway, there is some evil woman and another guy. <laughs> Honestly, the best description yeah, possible. Right. You're describing it as best as we could do. There's an evil woman and another guy. And they do a coup. Yes. And uh, they, you know... They- and, and Tulaja, like, almost single-handedly tries to fight them all off. And she's doing... Some parkour around that palace. Yeah, they do some pretty funny cuts Honestly, to a, a stunt double. Fighting. It's yeah, like, he right. Just, like hops around. It seems. It's like, like you know how Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom has Pancot Palace. Yeah, this is a parkour palace. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the level of humor you can expect on this podcast. More to, more to come in three, two, one, go. Uh, so they are successful. They kill the king. Yep. And uh, this guy takes the throne. With his sexy, sort of seductress wife, who I think put him up to it essentially by like g- building up his ego. Also, uh, you know what should have happened here? Hmm. They should have beheaded the king, and there should have been a scene where they hold up his severed head. Yeah. Again, more melodrama. Go bigger. Don't or just go big, stab go him. They have a pet like panther or puma or something. Make it eat somebody. Which, which in one scene is revealed to have killed someone off screen. No, she killed herself, oh, and it's licking her blood. Right, right. So it doesn't. It, yeah, I forgot. It was. Yeah. It, again, stop making boring choices. Boring characters. It turns out after the coup, essentially yeah. they just they do this big violent thing. There's a fun death where a guy gets stabbed by like ten spears. <laughs> I know, ridiculous. <laughs> yep, that was my favorite. Uh, more like that would be good. Um, so anyway, so there's this coup. The king's dead. We learned earlier she that, gets the, away. that the queen, who gets away because of uh, Tulaja's aid... And the queen is pregnant. ...is pregnant. She is with child. Uh, she has also given one of the rings to Tulaja. Uh, so that's important because the queen has an heir. Meanwhile, the evil lady is trying to bone the other guy so that she can have an heir. And they don't realize yes. that she's pregnant. And... Uh, and, you know, news of this coup gets out. Um, her best friend from childhood, the son of the dead, now dead king, uh, flees to go and lead and, like, gather a, uh, 
a, res- a resistance force to exactly. go and like strike back. And so there's this turmoil now where there's this struggle for power. There's this, uh, what do they call it? Interinum period, internecine period where there's like, there's, there's questionable ruler leadership. Okay. And there's like, and, and, and the idea that this queen would have the next king in her tum tum, uh, <laughs> is, is important because it's a huge rallying point for the resistance. Obviously the evil people want them dead now. Okay. Yeah. The British people. Yeah. Here we go. And this is how we're going to loop Hartnett back into it. All right. You want to take this part? Because I did so good the other time. You did do really well. Now I'm nervous. Um, Okay. So the British folks in the meantimes are also trying to calculatedly take advantage of the internal strife. Because they want to build a, they want to have a solid coastal block ownership with a road of the, yeah, the entire coast of yeah. wherever. I mean, to put it even more <laughs> simply, they're just trying to do some old school English colonialist shit and take over and grab as much as they can and, and take advantage of internal strife in a sort of calculated and, and vicious and, and greedy just way. Disgusting. And they're Josh, also like totally unaware of this coup happening, yeah, right? They are until they aren't, and then... Then they realize that they can take advantage of having the, um, the queen. queen safe and sound, but in their hands as a means to... Bargain. Bargain with the now-in-power people. Right, that but like the, all that is to. happening, and they're just, they just don't know about yeah. it. There's like battles it. happening, and they just yeah. don't know. Right, but when they do finally... When they do figure it out... Um, the, the the important thing is that the as as a political and economic business maneuver, they get ownership of the queen yes. as a bargaining chip so that they can either keep her away from the depending on who's reigning, keep her away from the new king mm-hmm. who would not be cool with there being an heir, or deliver them deliver her to the people that keep their power. So, so that's now, why they need her. Right. Yes. Now, right. Joshy boy. Josh is assigned as someone who's spent four years as a land surveyor in India. And knows He's the been, roads. And knows the roads like the back of his hand. Um, he has been assigned to safely guide the queen to Bombay, where she will be held. Now, and, there is a subplot. Uh, wait, what subplot? Okay. Now, Ahead. Tulaja decides that Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they're going to accept this deal, but she's going to pretend to be the queen and have the queen pretend to be her maidservant. And yes. they will... But also she... What? Okay, wait. What about the part where the queen is, like, in jail? Yeah. Yeah, she's in jail because she's being held captive by the guys that performed a coup originally on... On her town and her palace, right. But then the evil lady is like, because the British come with the like emissary and James Stewart, <laughs> and uh, the the evil lady convinces the new king, her boyfriend, to work with the British because they have promised to give him a backing, a military backing for defense, and in turn, by order of the king, they are not to kill the queen, but they are to have her. But they're not acting on the king's behalf, technically. They're okay. lying. They, they just want a bargaining chip so that they can have the most beneficial economic position depending on what plays out in the war. Because here's yeah. what confused this me. This is why we probably shouldn't get too into detail. Well, because, okay, because you've got Tulaja, like, <laughs> yeah. going through, like, going under 
like swimming into to, to like the, the, this castle or whatever mm-hmm. to then talk to the queen, queen yeah. who was imprisoned. Well, she needs to tell her before any of this pops off that she is going to pretend to be her. Right. And That's then, the and then you've got, the, then you got the the evil woman comes in and like shoves the queen's head in in like a in thing peach of, water in water she says and stuff like that <laughs> peach oil and okay which sounds cool and yeah, I, this is probably tasty. me being dumb and but I just this I could not it just confused me and then and then, and then we pretty much cut to just the queen being out and uh, the, meeting up with Josh her and Tulaja they're just out. And then we cut back to the palace, and there is a, a dead woman uh-huh. who the evil woman says commands like her dude to cut the baby out of her. And who's this dead I woman? I think the dead woman is someone that they mistakenly thought was the... They, they were like, oh, I think we killed the queen like you asked. And they were like, this isn't the queen. This is some other lady that you cut a baby out no, of. No, I'm also confused. I don't know who the fuck that Remember is. Remember, there's a, there's a dead yeah. woman laying on the ground. Well, she's not dead yet, but... Or she's like, like, like there's blood around. She, she will be. But like... <laughs> oh, it literally... She it, will be. It just... It cuts from Yoda. the... Yoda's there. The queen in prison to the queen in disguise meeting up with Josh out of prison. Right. And then... What seems like right outside the yeah, and right. then and then the evil woman thinks that this like no, there, there's no way she must she thinks that then. But she tells she says cut the baby out of her. And I think she, she's and, telling that guy to cut the baby out of the queen once they find once her. they find her, not that woman. Did they get? But I don't know why they is, beat is, that woman. Is to the death. beaten up woman? Did <laughs> it, so wait? Is it up. supposed to be that that they they interrogated this woman and found out that yes maybe. Mabes. Okay. Mabes, dude. And look, I don't if know. we are figuring this out now, I also went back and rewatched that scene to be like, <laughs> what happened there? And it still wasn't clear to me. That, I think, is bad storytelling because this should be hmm. very simple. I actually didn't mind it. I think it obviously could have been clearer, but like the overall setup to this, you know, mad chase across India is is not too bad. It's just, it's more like they just. They just time and reveal stuff wrong and at weird moments hey, and unclearly. You know what would have been way simpler? If the queen was not imprisoned and Tulaja just helped her escape and then went and, and they just hooked up with, with Josh and the British to, to like help them get away. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. thing this Look, is the thing The again. whole imprisoning stuff and all of that, not necessarily just a bunch of extra scenes. Yeah. You could have skipped all of that and just made it way simpler and just made it more of a chase thing where they are trying to get away. It's like a 15-minute time suck. They slowed it down. so Like, there are so many cases where there should be urgency to the storytelling, and there is not. Mm-mm. But they're trying so... Well, the other thing is they're trying... It's What's annoying about this, especially because, like, it's supposed to just be this, like, cut-and-dry romance uh, period epic, is that, like... There's also this weird, the almost women? like Omitov Ghosh kind of like desire to tell these detailed cultural clashes and, and have it be a commentary. Right. It's like, it, here's my thing. If you want it to be just a, hist- a subtle historical drama, yeah. don't include the time-traveling elements. <laughs> just have it yeah. all be set. Don't add the it, Assassin's Creed shit yeah. into yeah. it. Just put it in 1778. If you do want it to be this like romance through time, then go broader with the storytelling and play into the melodrama, and don't try to tell a subtle story about politics right. in colonial India. Well, it, it, it's, well the biggest indicator of... of 
the inability to tell a story in this is like, yeah, the, the, the botching of its own themes, you, I'm sure you were going to bring up the fact that there should have been more future shit interspersed evenly yes. over the entire thing as they like a kind of binary because all, if you're doing two fucking rings that intertwine into each other like a helix <laughs> yeah. then you should at least have a sort of evenly matched future past sort of storytelling technique thread the entire movie okay yeah, you know what you, guys i'm just gonna i'm gonna skip to the last like 20 minutes or so because yeah. I, I think I, I need to right now and also we're an hour and a half into this episode and we are not going to go through every little beat of the story hell no because so when it finally returns to the year 2020, when yeah. Tamsin Egerton is trying to find a way to revive Josh, she has the idea of, oh, maybe I'll go back to the ocean and get that ring. <laughs> and, <laughs> and do the same dumb shit that almost got me killed and put him in the hospital. And okay, <laughs> this, this time I moved the beam. This is what's so crazy. So think about how many days it would take for her to go out there and just like, know, like, like, like commandeer the boat and do this, this expedition and then go down in the submersible suit thing <laughs> and cut this, this ring out. Bad and then, CGI, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> and then, what, the helicopter? A l- bunch of stuff. The birds in, the, in India, there's like crows that look like I, shit. I, <laughs> I, I didn't mind it that much. <gasps> All right, um, like, like least of the movie's problems. But... Okay, so she get, but she gets like the rock that the ring is inside, and then gives it to her assistant, who then puts it in this machine where lasers over several days. <laughs> it's the future. Yeah, uh, yeah like 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 re- remove yeah. like, like they, they like wear down the rock so that the ring is out. She's like, oh, I got it, the ring that will revive him, and she puts the ring on him. And then is distraught and heartbroken when it doesn't revive him. It's that that scene was so funny to me. Yes, and like, then magic didn't work. and <laughs> then she goes outside and she's all distraught. Also, the music is getting super melodramatic here. Yeah, and then I wait before I, you say what you're about to say. Yeah, Tulaja becomes what is apparently the love. That is the love story between James Stewart. Is Tulaja. Yes. Okay. That should be said. They're, they're running away from uh, the evil British or evil Indian coup army and they develop a love interest and they have sex one time and then one and, time, and blah, blah, blah. This is not uh, Carter and Shaira Hall, aka no. Hawkman and Hawkgirl. This is not t- t- the same two people not. recurring through time and finding each other again and again. Oh. This, this is. The, Josh being in two places and loving different women. Yeah, and, right. And and one other important beat to their love story before we get to the Tamsin Egerton stuff is that after they make love and they are lovers for one scene, there is also the big important scene where he finally James Stewart confesses his love to Tulaja uh, and asks for her to run away with him to Massachusetts, and she fulfilling the prophecy that we got at the beginning of this weird movie. Um, it says, no, I can never love anyone. My heart is closed, and that is final. And then James Stewart cries, and he runs out of the room. Right. So, it's a love right. story so that they never... are lovers. The important thing is that Tulaja and James Stewart, old 1770s Josh, yeah. and Tulaja are the lovers. In yes. the future of 2020, it's Tamsin Egerton, <laughs> Mrs. Fennel. They're already married. He already what? gave her another ring, and it's a fucking wedding band. Okay? And so, now say what you were about to say, Pat. <laughs> okay. 
So God what? Damn it. So what then happens is so Tams Negerton is outside the hospital crying or the science center or whatever where where Josh is in stasis, no, and then dead. and then just in the background, Tulaja is there, <laughs> and then Tulaja comes over, and she just like puts her hands on hers, and then hands her the the other half of the snake ring, and then Tams Negerton looks up and Tulaja is gone. And then disappeared she, into the winds of t- the sands of time. And then she rushes inside. As if she were not real? Or? And then she puts the other ring on him, thus combining the two halves of, like, the full Taylor Swift snake ring. Yeah. And, and, and in, in a hilarious moment, she clicks the ring on and gives it all of half a second and then just wails in utter despondency. When, it, when nothing happens. And then and while the music is swelling to, like, like real tragic operatic heights, and that's when I shouted... What is happening? At <laughs> yeah. the you screen? see the woman in the background too, working the desk. Yeah, there was yeah. a there was an extra in the background, who's just, who was clearly like, I'm gonna point, I'm gonna keep pointing at her, <laughs> and so there's just like this hilarious scene going on where it's completely like swelling strings and she's wailing, and there's just this woman who will like raise her hand and point, and then look <laughs> at somebody off screen, lower her hand. And then raise it again and point at her. <laughs> like, oh, I was having a lot of fun looking at that woman Damn, in the background. But basically, like Sam's Negerson's ready to pull the plug on him. But also, like, but also, like, what's Tulaj's deal? Like, what is Tulaj's deal? Why is she suddenly in the present? Why does she apparently know these things in the present, and yet Josh seems to have zero memories of, of this past life? I mean, it uh, semi-tracks with the internal logic of the movie. Like, there should be a reincarnated Tulaja in the present, for sure. Right. But the weird thing is, like, that she disappears. I have a <laughs> like, theory. Like, where I, the fuck? Oh, you do? I have a theory why it's a different woman. And why why they didn't instead, which seemed like the better choice here, which was to cast Bipasha um, Basu as also Josh's 2020 counterpart lover. That would make more which sense. Which would make more sense, right? And the theory has nothing to do with the writing or anything. I think because this movie's production was sort of troubled and staggered, and it was shot in fits and starts, um, and it had trouble uh, getting the finances it needed to complete itself, um, I think that Bapasha Basu, uh, her schedule somehow, then oh, so she no longer worked out. The, think and couldn't banal. shoot some of the final scenes in the ocean. And so I think they were probably forced to recast. I bet you Tamsin was somebody that was brought on not initially, but was brought on afterwards to help. It really does make no sense shots. that Tamsin's there. And 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 I think everybody knew like fuck, this kinda ruins the visual you know, symmetry of Not this just movie. the visual symmetry, but the whole idea the theme. Of, the whole theme of, of the idea of these of the people movie, the conceit. of this love being so strong that they will find each other again and again in different bodies I through know. time. That's, that's my not, guess. That, I mean that that's what I what, what seemed so obvious. Yeah. And then this thing where it's like, oh, so uh Tulaja shows up just to make it so he'll be happy with another woman. I can't get over Very the unclean. fact that she just disappears. Yeah. yeah. Like, also, is she a time traveler? Is she magical? Oh, yeah. Does she teleport? I don't fucking get it. Right. Also, I was wondering, how does uh, Tams Negerton know that the, ring, the, the ring is gonna do it? I bet you just have a hunch. They're magic, so you just hold them and you're like, I feel like this will work. That's true. In a more melodramatic movie, like, if we wanted it to follow 
that sort of operatic quality that we were talking about. The idea of like just having that, I just think the rings will work, and then having the doctors be like, "It's science. He's he's not gonna make yeah, it." But this that's is beyond goes, reason. No, but his belief is beyond. But transcends. They're doing reason. it. Th- that to whole hell with o- your science. That whole opening ten minutes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is them is like a very like James Cameron yeah. like grounded science oriented thing. Right, where, but isn't that where, beautiful that this is what actually saves him? Where where they're yeah. like archaeologists and they're just it's like oh these are artifacts they're just they're they excited say we're the first person or we're the first people to see this in 300 years yeah. they're not like oh I hear this ring has like magic abilities yeah it's not like they were seeking it out to have to have magic right they're literally just trying to find some old stuff to learn about like this culture they're just archaeologists and so the idea that she actually that th- especially because she's not in the movie for like the whole thing no, she's no. gone for like an hour and 15 minutes or so <laughs> yeah. and then shows up again and is like Maybe the ring. And we don't know anything about her. Maybe she is a person who uh, believes in, in mythological stuff or legends and stuff like that. But we don't know that. That yeah, never comes up. she's even less drawn than... Or no, she's about as well drawn as... as the fennels are both equally poorly drawn. <laughs> right. <It> just, <laughs> they don't have a lot of background. You don't really know anything about them. They just love each other, it seems like. And, like, they're scientists. It just, like... And that's it. it that's, that's what really drove me nuts. Like, when it returned to the present-day stuff... And then it introduced all of these elements so quickly. That's what just made me go from thinking this movie is boring and not great to I really don't like this and I'm like actively annoyed by the film. Yeah. And I, I just kept thinking like, look, if you had more of like a just cut back and forth more and had it be more of a 50-50 split between the two time periods, uh, yeah. you could have her like doing like trying to do, like do research into like potential like uh, unconventional methods like to, to revive him, looking into uh, reading about the the like the legends of, of this culture, our, our mythology great. and stuff yeah, like that. Great, Trying, yeah. Like I uh, like the, just totally the, right. If you get into that, and so she's like, may, maybe that ring that we were trying to find, maybe there's something more to that ring, right? And also that would be perfect. When also movie... also if she was played by the Indian actress, and yes. not if, you ever. know, it would make none of that as important if. Tulaja just was her. Right. Yeah. Like, and also, no disrespect to Tams Negerton, who does the best she like that can be done with the poor material she's no, given. No, these are these are not reflective of of the actors necessarily. Oh, they are, but like, yeah, she. Eh, I, I mean, honestly, like, like my issue with like none of my issues with this this movie are with the acting. Oh, can yeah. I say one random funny thing though about yes. the hospital scene, like at the end, is. <laughs> They all, you know, they, like Josh has died. He's flatlined. His stupid hologram brain screen is like brain spinning gone. Spinning around. Yeah. <laughs> and then the doctor. Brain, brain complete. Complete is broke. Uh, but I was laughing because a doctor, like he sort of like flatlines and then um, the doctor comes in and <laughs> answer a, a key card and is like. Yeah, it's a key card. He's like, when you stick this key card in. This machines will shut off. I'm like, once again, another stupid thing that's like just the future because it's not a switch. (laughs) She's not pulling the plug. She's sticking in a cool futuristic key card because it's 2020. And what was also funny is that 
when she's like, she puts on the second ring and waits about two seconds and goes, oh, fuck, it didn't work. I guess I should kill him now. And goes over to the uh, vitals thing with the key card slot. There's like a it's, meter. It, it powers down as the key card gets closer to it. <laughs> she doesn't even insert it. And you see like the red bar of death. Like, There's like five red face. bars. It's yeah. like, it goes like, oh. She's like, oh, I'm getting closer to it. And the, the key card reader is like, warmer, warmer. Yeah. He's more dead. You're almost more in the slot. And yeah. then finally Josh coughs. It's like, oh, oh, oh babe. And then she whips the key card away, and it's like blue, 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 blue again. He's super healthy. It, it's, well, I don't, I'm, it's silly. I was confused too because at the very end, right? Yeah. Like, they start doing these cross cuts, yeah. um, which any reasonable, like my, my reasonable assumption, I felt was that there would be the entanglement. He literally says in the 2020 sequence at some point, like anything that happens. You know, you 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 move or like whatever, interact with this or engage with this particle, and then instantaneously, one billions of miles away, will will. This is one of his like uh, data cube speeches that she plays back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. She's looking at the time cube, and then uh, so so the notion is that like you know you have an instantaneous twinned reaction. You have immediate parity between these two things. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, Josh is heartbroken and he's, he gets fucking strung up <laughs> and killed at the end. Uh, but they were intercutting and I was like expecting to see people going through identical parallel scenarios in time. Right. And that also wasn't and true. they didn't show that? Yeah. So then I was just annoyed as well. Yeah. I'll, should we get, should we, let's finish it. Talk more about what happens in the... 1778 India storyline. They're just trying to get to all Calcutta, I think. Pretty slowly. Right? Is that where they're trying to get well, to? No, they're trying to take the queen to Bombay. Oh, Bombay, rather. Look, yeah. Uh, the one thing that I want to talk about there, because uh, there's a subplot in there that barely connects to the rest that I, I kind of wish had just been the whole movie. What's that? So there's this... Uh, there's the, the two British women. Oh, yeah. That are... Oh, I don't even... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there are, there's no what to say about those so two women. Are the daughters of the, one of the fat capitalist colonialist guys? Right. Mm-hmm. One of them is his. Well, one's his daughter, and the other is is like her her maid. But he she ends up but, actually going there to marry the old guy. Yeah, but she's in love with Josh. But she's in love with James, and that's the. But thing. basically, you have them being. Uh, there's no conflict there, really. Right, but you you have these two. But the thing is. These women have strong, like, uh, more personality than most of the other characters. They're fun fish-out-of-water characters. And they have, like, their conflicts are clearer. There is tension between them. There is tension because the older one is in love with Josh, but it is not reciprocated. Right. And, uh, and you have the idea of, like, the older one is also going to, like, will become the mother. Aren't they going to... They're going to go to America, I think. After that, well, they they were supposed, yeah, they were supposed to be staying in Pune, I think, but because of the turmoil, they were tasked to the caravan with Josh. Right. right. So, but but honestly, just this little subplot, which honestly should have been cut from the movie, just oh, yeah. it's, it's about the, these two British women in yeah. India. To I found to be more interesting and to have more going on. And it was just more engaging than the main story. You're right. There were two characters that actually had humor attached to They had humor and personalities and and conflict. Yeah. And, I mean, 
Right. Everything else seems so just static and dull. Well, it's funny because, like, I didn't even think about the fact that it is a useless uh, addition to the film's overall themes Mm -hmm. because of how much I liked cutting to them. Right. I was like, ah, blessed relief. (laughs) And you keep expecting it to pay off because one of them is in love with Josh. And you think there's going to be a scene, maybe they confront each other where she like professes her, her love for him that he, but then she sees them to Laja and James like making out or having an intimate conversation. And she yells at them, which is, are she, are she like a, maybe doesn't say anything, but is, is quietly heartbroken. Right. And then, and then talks to the, the, the younger one. And, but that none of that happens. No, none of the no. obvious thing. None of the things that you want to see happen, happen. There's so many obvious story paths that, that can take. She gets heartbroken, but then there's a discreet scene where she just kind of punt, like slaps the daughter. Right. And then says, she's going to marry one of the fat old guys. She's like, I'm going to be your father. Your, your, sorry. I'm going to be your mother. Yeah. yeah. Like, your your mother in law. You better get ready. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I was like, Hey, I like this. I wish this was the whole movie. Right. But that wraps that up. Yep. Yeah. They never come back. Meanwhile. Okay. Well, oh, well, what if they were people also at like the hospital and stuff like that? What if everyone recurred through time? Wow. Oh, well, that's shit. the, I mean the, 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 like the implications of this are pretty intense. I mean, first of all, it seems like, again, Rust Cole style, time is a flat circle. Yeah. Every <laughs> infinite recurrence. Yeah. And uh, everything is also fated to be. There's a sort of fate type thing where we're all in our assigned roles and there's no way out. And also reincarnation. Yeah. Is exactly. A, is a thing in this world. So all kind of three of those weird pseudo-theological, like cosmological ideas uh, exist in this, in this reality of the movie. So a couple of other things I want to say, because I don't have anything else to say really about the story, because it's, it's dumb and boring and doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But um, the movie mostly looks pretty good. They make really good use of just the, the Indian locations, just the landscapes and uh, like the, the old buildings and palaces that are already there. Yeah. There's some really nice, especially usually at the beginnings of scenes, they'll have these, these really nice big wide shots with a lot of scale to them. They use uh, light really well. They use light really yeah. well. Yeah. I will say um, beyond that, the filmmaking is mostly serviceable. And when it gets into action, it's often lazy like there's one scene that like what's happening in the scene is exciting and it is shot not excitingly there's a scene where uh josh is they're like on on the road to bombay and josh is like walking through this kind of kind of swamp there it's like knee deep water but there's trees around yeah yeah and then tulaja is kind of walking behind him but like a, a ways back and then there's this really cool shot where you see like a close-up of like right at the surface of the water, this little spear poke up from underneath and then like kind of Apocalypse Now style, like the top half of this assassin's head. And you're like, whoa, that's a cool shot. Swamp assassin, neat. Yeah, (laughs) who's like hiding under the water. And then there's a shot where Tulaja is walking and then from off screen, you hear a big splash (laughs) and then she looks and then it cuts to the guy is just kind of already up out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, so you didn't, you didn't even show this guy like coming out of the, like you use you, his like, advantages. You have, this, you have this exciting visual moment, just like this suspenseful scene and you shoot it in the least suspenseful way possible. You have the one cool shot where his like head is poking up from the water. 
and then he's just like, oh, he's out of the water, and he's just, and it, it's, and then there's running. a bad, and there's a bad fight scene, and then he stabs Tulaja, and then jo- Josh kills him and stabs him a bunch of times, and, and then Which she's is pretty brutal for that. That's probably the most violent part in the movie, because then you see like his blood running out into the the water. Yeah, but, which uh, is fine. Should be more shit like that, right? But like that scene was to me so representative of just the the lazy filmmaking and the action scenes when you've got these good setups and scenes that should be exciting and they're just not executed well. I think that, that might be the, yeah, I think maybe that might be my, the biggest recurring disappointment in the full set of the film is just like, of all the things we've talked about having the bones of a good story, and I don't agree with you on a lot of what has good bones or not. Hey, I mean, I think... Skel- some skeletons function more... <laughs> I think almost others. any premise can be made to work. I agree with that. I'm just saying, like, this is truly just your classic. Like, it's got a lot of cool, interesting ideas. And it even goes so far as to, like, look interesting in a lot of ways and be on interesting locations and have good setups. But it, there's just constantly the failure to deliver on what you've set yourself up for. It's not even like the fact that you've not even come up with a cool conceit or context or whatever. It's like, no, you have, and then you botch it. Yeah, I mean, this is also not a movie that I would say has good bones. Like, huh. Blow Dry, I would say, has good bones. Because there you just, you have... <laughs> Beautiful skeletal structure. I mean, you have a, like, it's a pretty formulaic, but you've got a a whole structure that pretty much works. You have like a, a collection of characters that pretty much work. I mean, yeah. you, you can sit like on paper that should work. Right. This is a movie that has a bunch of like a, a collection of interesting ideas and settings and stuff like that. But there, but as a whole, you're right there. There is no like on, on paper. This is still not anything that you works. take a bone saw to this thing. Exactly. Yeah. But the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the director, Roland Joffe, ah, because yes. So this is he's an interesting guy because he his film career began very prestigiously. Right. Because in the 80s his first two films he got best director Oscar nominations for both of them. They were The Killing Fields and The Mission. Yeah. I've seen both of those and they are really good. I haven't seen either. Mm. I mostly know that the The Mission is best known for its Ennio Morricone score. And yeah. Robert De Niro and getting Robert De Niro is great in that movie. Yeah. As just the psychotic, borderline psychotic priest, right? Yeah, he's great. A Jesuit, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's a Jesuit who it just seems like kind of guerrilla warfare is an entire army in the jungle as best he can. Obviously, he doesn't succeed, but But he he sure does kill a lot of people. But the tone of that is so... It's so weird to think of those two films and then think of this... Also, just as something this guy wanted to tackle for, like, a decade Well, plus. so so here's the thing. Here's what I wanted to get into. So, Roland Joffé... Uh, Joffé. I, 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 Whatever. Roland Joffé. His, yes. his name sounds weird every time I say it. But... Joffé. So, he never achieved the same level of success or acclaim after those first two movies. Right. But those two first two were... He got a lot of acclaim. And then... Uh, he had a passion project in the early 90s... That, uh, that he really, really wanted to make. And he went to great lengths 
to get the rights to make this and then to finally make the movie. He did not direct it himself, although apparently he did some uncredited directing on it, but he was the producer and he was in charge of hiring the writers and directors and basically everybody. And he was probably the major, like one of the major creative forces behind this movie. And this movie is Super Mario Brothers. What? Yeah, I noticed that. I didn't realize that was his passion project though. Hell yeah! <laughs> I fucking love that movie. So, so it, and that's Roland Joff. Yeah, I thought that was the like uh, well, Max Headroom. Yeah, people. He, but he hired them, uh, and they like, like I was reading about this today. He was the guy who like went to great lengths just to meet with like the head of Nintendo and get him to, despite uh, like bigger offers from other American <laughs> studios, to give him the rights to let him wow. make this movie. And he and he was the guy who hired <laughs> them to direct it after he tried to like go to like multiple other people. And um, I, I'm I'm surprised he didn't just direct it himself. Then he he just produced yeah. it. But that was the thing that he worked really hard on getting made. Wow, new respect. The, yeah, Matt, this is the information I wanted to tell new you. New respect for him. And listeners, you should know that Matt Torpy is one of the world's staunchest defenders of the live-action Super Mario Brothers movie. Many I, hate it. Matt does not. I mean, it's just such a gem. I don't know how you, I don't know how you can hate it. it. It was once famously covered on a previous podcast of Matt's. Mm, the Kids Table. The Kids Table. <laughs> Discontinued. I, I indefinitely postponed yeah or, or like uh, on indefinite hiatus but uh we're on sabbatical it, it'll return one day uh but and and if you listen to that and hey it's on itunes you, you can go check it out and i i bet she's not listening right now so i'll say it famously matt's co-host kendra james did not finish did not. watching the movie before discussing it and bashing it on the podcast yeah having the gall having the gall to talk shit about something that she did not even fully watch. And while I believe to my bones that it wouldn't have mattered, <laughs> it is of great disrespect to me as a movie that I personally love a lot. Exactly. And so, guys... Yeah, let's take this home. <laughs> you don't want to bash Kendra some more on the air? <laughs> oh, God. The thing is, I do way too much, so let's just keep going. Kendra, come on the podcast. I know you're in L.A. writing for Shondaland. Ooh, I finished but, a book proposal. But, but you know what? <laughs> Your friends back in New York want to talk to you about Josh Hartnett, and so come I on the I beat the Last Guardian in the nude last weekend. Okay. <laughs> what did you do? Ha. Okay. Ha. Winning. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, guys, remember Charlie Sheen? Yo, guys, remember Charlie Sheen? So anyway, I think that's it. Okay, so so uh, The Lovers is a big whiff. Um, Josh, look, again, on paper, I know it seems interesting, but Josh, you, you got to pick some better projects. Come on. Your friend's movie, I get it. You got to do it. It's a cool thing. It's the right thing to do. And that was a cameo anyway. And it's a cameo. Yeah, it's very, very minimal effort on this your is part. This is a lot of travel, a lot of effort. I guess it's hard as an actor to gauge, especially when you've watched the things like The Mission before signing on to this. But you could also watch Super Mario Brothers, I suppose. <laughs> Which I mean, he did not direct. No, but no. I mean, well, also you could watch any of Roland Joffey's movies from the, the previous, like, 25 years, which had not done so well. Yeah, anything like, outside of the 80s. I, I, I'm still just like, Josh, look, I'm sure it can't be that hard. There's a million of them. Just do like a superhero movie 
and then you'll have like the career boost to just do anything else you want. Just yeah. do one of those. And I'm saying a sci-fi movie. Yeah. Why can't you be in a movie like Moon? Well, yeah. because he's not a quirky character actor like Sam Rockwell. That is very true. Sam Rockwell is awesome. And All you right. know what? Guys, Sam Rockwell, still in superhero movies. Oh, yeah. He also is in them. Okay. <laughs> Josh, just do one of those, and then you can do everything. Kiss the Devil's Ring. Uh, <laughs> Josh Hartnett for Batman. I'm, I'm going to keep this going. But, so, guys, I assume, so I do not have a heart on. No. No heart on. Sorry, guys. But anyway, any, any, any final thoughts? Anything else they want to say before we never talk about the lovers again? No. <laughs> Great. we want to add? Yeah. Ooh. Okay, okay, time's up. So next week, we'll be talking about the movie Parts Per Billion. <laughs> if you want to find a place to watch that on the internet. And I will say... The, and Get hyped! <laughs> we, we might be a day late next week because the Torpies, these fucking brothers, have to keep... Going out of town every weekend. Hey, listen, we're busy. Busy bees. And so we'll record it. Uh, like, hopefully, guys, figure out a time. And uh, just figure right it out. Right now? Um, <laughs> On the air. We'll, we'll, we'll just be us guessing what the movie is about. Yeah. And, uh, and then, the week after that, the week of uh, September 17th, finally, we're talking Penny Dreadful, probably season Woo! one. A sweet oasis for you all. Ugh. Oh, that's what, okay. Can't wait. And so that does it for now. Uh, guys, you should tweet at us at heartheartnet on Twitter. Send us emails, heartheartnet at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at weheartheartnet. And uh, go on iTunes, and if you've got like a spare minute, rate, review, and subscribe, because that stuff means a lot to us. And also, watch the videos that we're making. There's some Star Wars stuff coming out this week at youtube.com slash Patrick H. Willems. Follow me on all the social medias at Patrick H. Willems. Jake? Yeah, follow me on some of the social medias at JRTorpy for Twitter. And then if you want to follow me on Instagram, too, it is J-A-I underscore K-U-B-B. Matt? Oh, and then also, uh, for me, it's a... (laughs) At Matthew Torpy uh, on Twitter and Matt.sucks on Instagram. Okay, All bye. right, next week, parts per billion. Bye! <laughs>